Hello, and thank you for joining the Infamous Podcast. This is Brandon, or Butilis on Discord. This is Parker, go by one who parks on Discord. This is Jeremy, no Discord. You, you do Discord. But not as Jeremy. Oh, right. You done fucked that up. Oh, okay, let me just fix this then. Real quick, would you? Sketch something in for me. This time, write it in pencil. Yeah, I got it. Don't, don't worry, boo, I got you. Oh, good. It's like Christmas Day every day. No. Okay, we got some more stuff. All right. (sighs) Did Aaron get to go yet? Did we cut off Aaron? I'm waiting for you guys to get done with your little charade. (laughs) All right, go ahead. Oh, this is Aaron. I go by Trefmoid on Discord. All right, now that that shit's over with. (laughs) I feel like I'd like to make a motion to permanently change the order so that you guys can have your little (laughs) tête-à-tête every time after after Aaron says... (laughs) You even spelled it wrong, dumbass. What the fuck is happening? No, I don't know what's the problem. Why are you so mad? I'm confused. Oh if you my... don't like it, change it. Uh, oh, thanks. Sure, I'll just top on that. Uh, so we do have a quick announcement. Uh, Parker unfortunately had some stuff to do today, uh, mostly watching a Christmas movie. Uh, so due to that, he decided to earn himself um, what is it? Five hundred and forty probationary episodes. <laughs> For being fifty-four minutes late, a terror gig. So, I don't luckily, <laughs> that 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 only puts him to twelve hundred and sixty-five, which now he's down to twelve sixty-four because mm-hmm. he's here today. See, fair. Mm-hmm. I'm counting today. This is the first episode you're working off. I'm kind of counting on like the number of probationary episodes. Once I reach a certain peak, it'll be kind of like, you know, when a mass murderer. You're like you kill like five people. Now you get the insanity plea. Yeah, <laughs> you kill five people. You get the you're a mass murderer. But you kill like five thousand people. Well, now you're just a, you know, a dictator, right? Like now you're just a talker. Yeah, yeah, you're just now like, you're a political like right. terrorist. Right. Yeah. I should I should get retired in a villa in Brazil or something. That's what will mm-hmm. happen at some point. Yeah. I get enough of these. Yeah. Crossing my fingers. The Genghis Khan mm-hmm. of podcast fucker uppery. <laughs> Oh, that's what I want my back the back of my T-shirt to say. Can I please <laughs> can I have that? <laughs> the Genghis Khan um, of back <laughs> bullshit. I love that. <laughs> uh, if anybody uh, didn't wasn't here last week, uh, I did a crossover episode with Mike from Danger Room, where he interviewed me about the Hydra list we made, and uh, that episode is up on their site. It's one of their Christmas episodes. Um, so go check that out if you want to hear more about it. We had a pretty fun conversation about all the weird combinations that you can use in Hydra. Um, and with that, that takes us to our next segment. Parker? News. News. Hey! News! 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 So, uh, we got some new models announced. Very, very awesome. One of them then awaited you know, by a huge amount of the community ever since they announced as guardians, everyone wonders when are they doing beta Ray bill and they are printing beta Ray bill. Uh, all we know right now is that he's, he's comes in a box. He's got a medium sized base. He, yes. um, I don't think I'm looking at his asthma day site here. I want to see read full description. I don't see if they even say where, how many cards he comes with even. But. Oh, it, I believe there's three and they come out on February 10th. Yeah. So he's coming soon. Uh, along with Beta Ray Bill comes the long-awaited, oh my gosh, finally we get Ulik, the rock troll. Um, I am finally relieved that we got the character I've been waiting for since the game launched. Yeah. So um, 
I, I don't know if I want to give my opinion on this. I actually, I've been talking a lot. I think it's a lot about this podcast and what I was going to say about this, but I'm going to let you guys decide what you want to say first. And then I'm going to talk okay. about it afterwards. I want to know what how, you guys how think. gracious of you. I want to, I, I want to start with you guys. Cause I think you guys will be much more positive than me. That's what I want. I want to start it off. Let's do a sandwich here. We'll do something positive. I'll talk. Somebody else can talk. <laughs> <laughs> D- didn't you already make a Christmas movie? Okay, there was a heavy implication. What you're going to say isn't positive, but you didn't <laughs> say that. But it's the implication. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go first. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not not excited. How about that? So first of all, uh, if anyone's listening to this and doesn't know that I've never read comics or whatnot, then there's your first clue. Uh, so I have no preconceived notions about characters until they're announced. Right? Mm-hmm. So... I have no clue who Beta Ray Bill or uh, Ulrich the Troll is uh, in the comic Ulrich. books. There's Ulrich. There's an R. There's an R when I say it. Um, <laughs> but I think models... there'll be an R for almost everyone. I think an <laughs> yeah, R is. Ulrich. Yeah. Ulrich. The yeah. models look fine. Some new Asgard to spice that up. Uh, and I really appreciate the fact that uh, AMG rotates through lesser-known characters with some of the big releases, so it's not just a crescendo of all the shit everyone wants all the time. Uh, I actually think that's that's good for the the hype. Uh, you need to have lulls in order to have the peaks. So there's yeah. my two cents. So shifting um, to me, I'll say something. I suppose you can. I I think I think they both look dumb as shit. I don't read those comic books. They both look dumb. If they have decent okay. rules, okay. Cool. All right, uh, Parker, you should probably go now. Then I'm going to have you talk about something else, and then I'm going to go. Okay. So I. Uh, I actually, one of the very first, the the very first Thor comic I ever read was actually the one that debuted Beta Ray Bill. And so, like, I was introduced with Thor and Beta Ray at the same time. I thought they were pretty much the same thing in my mind, in terms of, like, the Marvel Universe and the impact that it had on me. So I love Beta Ray Bill. I think he's a great character. Um, there's also a severe chance he'll also be a Guardians of the Galaxy. So, you know, we've got a couple now uh, likely Guardians coming in the form of uh, Ancient Venom. Beateria Bill. I think it's super cool. I have some more Guardians in that list as well. I'm a huge Guardians fan. So that's great. Um, Ulick the Rock Troll is just a dumpster fire of a choice for a character. I <laughs> I think it's I think it's a travesty. <clears throat> it makes me viscerally mad. Um, I actually yelled at my phone when I saw it because <laughs> of how much I I how much I dislike this choice. And I think what I don't understand, I guess, is we're going to have some Guardians uh, in the game. And what, what are we up to now? Are we up to... I Actually, I was going to look before I made this statement, and now I'm a fool. I didn't actually look at the list of Guardians. Like seven. I feel like we got more than that now. Um, let me look at the affiliation list. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and this will make uh, ten. We've got ten Guardians, and... Um, three Sentinels, and I, okay, cool. I guess the Sentinels are lesser-known characters, but we've got four Winter Guard, upon which we have Winter Guard models like on their cards that we don't have. We still have five models in Wakanda, which, by the way, one of the most passionately fan-based factions that you can have, right? Super huge, and they've had two movies now, and yet we still just have five models in that faction. I, and we don't have like some of the cornerstone Marvel titles in this game represented at all. Uh, and so like fantastic four. Um, so when I see something like Ulick, I just, uh, I, 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 I guess I see your point, Aaron, like 
they want to go way off the beaten path under the mushrooms, you know, down 20 feet to a dark, dark hole where they find a rock troll named Ulik and then pull him out and go, look, you guys, everybody, everybody remember Ulik? And everybody goes, I guess that one time in a panel and like the fourth page of a, of a, of a Thor comic, I guess. But I don't, um, I don't know how they get to these solutions sometimes. And this is not the first time they've done it. Viper is another example of a character that's just like, what? What? And before, with Viper, we said, I guess she's a pair with Sin, right? She kind of makes sense with Sin. Sure. And I guess this... But even with Asgardians, even in Asgardians, this is weird. Dredging a bottom of a barrel that I don't understand. Like, there are so many other Asgardians that people know because they've been in several of the movies, right? So it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I don't... I, I can't defend this one other than to say somebody's a fanboy for Ulik. I don't know who that is. I, I, I guess I'd like to meet them and shake their hand and find out where they've been um, to, to have this be something they care about. But I, I don't understand. I don't get it. And I don't like it. It okay. makes me un- you're, you're done. You're done. That's it. <laughs> you, you've been I'll stop boxing for way too long. Already. I'll stop. Yep. Uh, do you want to talk about Beta Ray Bill's origin as like a comic corner? Because I think some pe- a lot of people don't know. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, the comic. locals will. So I'll have you not even necessarily follow the comic, but just explain his origin mm-hmm. in yeah, general. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I'll also point to the comic. It's a really fun classic okay. comic. Uh, so for my understanding, I the way I think that they they build these boxes is they have a giant master list of like all the characters they plan on making. And so let's say there's 600 to 1,000 characters on that list. Well, they are pre-putting them together in boxes because you don't want to just grab stuff off the top because then when you get to the lower levels, everything is like Viper and Ulik boxes and nobody buys them, right? Like nobody mm-hmm. wants them. They're just wasted releases. And so, A, they want to release different types of models for each affiliation. And it might have been that when they were playing as Guardian in playtest, they're like, man, these guys need like some hulking bruiser like a black dwarf type character. And we just don't have anyone on the team that fits that role. And so then they reached in the lore and said, who is the biggest brawler guy that we can find to jam in this affiliation that rounds them out. And Ulick was the most logical choice they found. And so then he ended up on the master production list. And because he's on the master production list, he ends up getting put in a box with somebody. And when you pair everything out, like it might make sense to put Emma Frost with Jean Grey at the time, but then when you look at the full list, you're like, well, then who does Shaw go with? And you're like, well, then you could go with this guy, but there's nobody to go with the other guy he was going to go with. And so you have to pair all those guys out in advance. You can't just grab two bottles and shove them in a box. And so I think Ulick coming with Beta Ray Bill is absolutely fine. There's no problem with that in my eyes. Now, if you're complaining that Ulick is getting released, I don't think that's a problem. Like, if you don't like him, like don't get him. Like, you don't have to. Um, I guess I, w- I guess I would see that. I-, I guess I could see that if Volstagg, Balder, the heck, there's even the, the villain from the first movie, the the destroyer. destroyer. Yeah, the destroyer. Like there yeah. are other characters that could perform that role, unless, like you're mentioning, like there is just they have a master list of every Marvel character ever that they could possibly ever print, and this is just like you said, they're just kind of putting them together and yeah they just he got matched with beta ray and they're yeah. like we want to make beta ray right now so Olix coming out too right and so because balder is with somebody else like the wrecking crews all together right and then you've got 
you know, Odin and whoever is together. Like, like all these yeah. things are paired off already. And so now they're just pulling things off the pile and, and design and doing the finishing touches and producing them. Okay. And so I have no problem with Ulick being in a box. I don't think every character, like Aaron said, needs to be a home run hitter because then we just get to the bottom of the barrel really quickly and they can't support, like they need to fill out the smaller affiliations. Like you were saying before they start releasing other stuff, so you're like, people are like, God, we got to get fantastic four. It's like releasing fantastic four right now is, doesn't make any sense. A, there's no there's no push for it other mm-hmm. than people just want it, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But like, there's no movie, there's no TV show, there's no inter important plot points in the comics right now. Like, it's just like they still exist, and that's fine. But it makes more sense to do them at a different time. And there's still like five or six affiliations that need more filling out before you start adding new ones to the pile. So I think it makes perfect sense that this box is coming out right now. Like Aaron said, you know, Asgard could use a couple more people. These are good, diverse options. And this might give them the new leader they've been begging for for two years. That is actually the one thing. I, that's the first thing I, I posted, rather than being negative. Because this is before I knew about Ulick. When we saw just the Beta Ray picture, the first thing I thought was, oh, yeah. this would be super cool if this was another leader. I'd love to have a different leader. Not because the leadership is horrible, just because I'd like to have another leadership to try new things with Asgard. So that's mm-hmm. so that is cool. What I makes you think Ulick's going to be a leader? <laughs> Got him. Fucking got him. Um, yeah. So I, I have no problem with the release cycle. Like, everyone's like, oh, God, we're waiting for this. It's like, I know Doom's coming. Like, that's the only character I, I, I still want at this point. Um, they're obviously going to make him. And I just hope that when they do, he's going to be awesome. Like, that. I don't need him to come out right now. Like, he can come out whenever. And by all logic, if you want him to be good, give them more experience with game design and balance and he'll be good. Like I'm not worried about it. So it's going to be fine. I guess I, um, maybe there's this, maybe here's, here's something I presuppose that at some point the iron's not as hot anymore, right? That the game has ebbed and now it is, I guess it has been flowing and it starts to ebb. Yes. And then we don't have a certain number of new players when it's not as exciting as everything new gamers are, you know, notoriously fickle. There's some other skirmish game, (coughs) Shatterpoint that comes out and pulls players away. And I go and and, I'm like, and then after all these things have happened and the game is now nice and cool and maybe on a, on the downswing and, and, and everyone around here is done playing it. Then they finally come out with doom. And we're all like, cool, you and I can play against each other with your with, with Doom and Fantastic Four, but we never got to see it in its heyday. So I guess what I'm saying is, I, this is this is just 100% something I would like. It's not, like you said, part of a business model at all. I would just like to be able to play with some of these Keystone characters before the game has run a course. And maybe the game has an awesomely long course and we never have to worry about this. It's well, not a bad, by not that... a bad game, but... By that argument, like that will be the the kindling factor that gets people back to fired up about the game, right? It'll like, be core box two point Fantastic Four and yeah, I don't think they'll do a second core box, but <laughs> especially with five characters, that would be really dumb. Well, plus five <laughs> others, pick whoever they're fighting. Like that goes with that box. Like nobody goes with that box. Wow. That's the whole point. Like the other five miles are Doom bots, sure. <laughs> like whatever. Um but anyway, like that's so if like you're saying I disagree with your point for two reasons. First off, if if the game did ever get to a point where it, it wasn't bad, like like the the lull we just went through was because the game stagnated 
and they're sorry, the competitive meta stagnated. There's still plenty of models I want to play. Like I can't mm-hmm. even afford to play the models I already have. So I'm not in a big hurry to get new models. Like I, it's I think that because remember in year one and and like early into year two we we're like God this release cycle is unsustainable like we cannot keep up with this mm-hmm. and now the game is slowed down and people are complaining it's like this is exactly where we wanted it to be a year ago and now everyone's mad so oh. I'm happy with the the rate of release I'm fine with the rate of big name releases um and I think if the game got to a point where like the people were like the the luster hedge faded a bit the release of Fantastic Four and Doom would be a great, you know, galvanizing factor to drive the community back into the game. Um, and I, and then the other point I disagreed with was, like, you're implying that they're going to compete with themselves with Shatterpoint, and that's clearly not their intention. Mm-hmm. But I, I understand there is a lot of fear about that right now. And I, I don't think it's unjustified fear, but I don't think the company is dumb enough to create a directly competitive opposing game that's going to pull their own people away from their game i i don't like i've never i i never bought into the killers right i have a bunch of games and it's like the wow killers and like i love destiny right the destiny killers every time they come out i never switch to them i never even think about them and they come and go and my the game i love is still played right so i'm not nervous that i will lose like my ability to play it i guess um I just, I just naturally suppose because so far in my adult life, I've already played, I've already dropped thousands of dollars and played seriously several games, and so I imagine mm-hmm. that will also happen to this one. And I'll just be sad if, if it in the way of what, like War Machine is right now, if War Machine came out with a new faction that I would have absolutely loved to play seven years ago, but say la vie, the War Machine's gone. It's, it's out of my life. I, I'm, yeah. I, I would be sad if that happened in this game. I would just be sad. That that's the only thing. I would be sad. Um, just the final point on this, I'd like to say, um, I think, so the first year the game came out, there was like, that was the big release was the game itself. Second year of the game, they released Weapon X, not Weapon X, X-Force. Uh, third year of the game, there was a big deal about um, mutants in general, like X-Men was like the big spoiler, right? And so we didn't get that this year. And th- the fact that we didn't, I think, has got people a little antsy. And so I think that's mainly where this drive is coming from. Mm. And so it's basically the missions is like, that's the, the big thing this year is the new, the update to the missions. So I guess we'll see. Uh, so moving on, do we have any other news, Parker? Uh, that That's it. Okay. All right. What is next? Um, so currently playing, uh, I think a lot of us have changed up our rosters recently. Um, I'm still playing the Hydra list that we had talked about. Um, it's still a lot of fun. I have put in Omega Red, and I tried him in a game, and it was super fun. I liked it. He was better than I expected. Jeremy, what are you playing? Still running Spider-Foes. Um, I've got a few models I'm kind of pulling in and out. I played, um, uh, what's his name? Fury. Nick Fury uh, with the grunts for a little bit, just so I could see if I can have some extract shenanigans. Um, and it works okay. It's a little bit different. Um, I've shifted in and now I put Shadowland Daredevil in there and I have a little criminal build I can do off of it. So I'm still just messing with things. It's still fun. Cool. Aaron? Uh, I ended up taking Brotherhood to a tournament in St. Louis last weekend. Uh, and then afterwards, on the actually the drive out there, Perrin and I created 10 different lists that we thought we might be interesting for various reasons. And we are playing against each other one to two games a day in the basement randomizing the list we play into each other so 
we'll do that at least through the new year, and then we'll probably lock in some lists of those 10 that we like uh, and then practice them hitting Delvio. Are you making revisions as you go, or are you keeping them sterile? Uh, so I am. I will make revisions as we go. They're sterile for now just because we're only three games in, gotcha. and it's still the, gotcha. the learning phase. Gotcha. Okay, sounds good. Um, Parker, what are you playing? Uh, I'm still uh, looking at Weapon X, playing a bunch of Weapon X. Uh, I played you with my Weapon X and diced you really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's kind of what Weapon X will be, is they live on how much damage they can do. Can they burn down their opponents really fast? Um, I played another game with Weapon X and got a similar result. I think, like we imagined before, I think they are good at doing damage. And so as long as your opponent is letting you do that, I think they're they're pretty strong. Um, I do like them a lot. I actually played with the uh, Dozier, as you like to call it, the dossier Dozier. card. Um, and I actually really liked the dossier card. Um, it was a really interesting. He, he was uh, he was playing Brotherhood and he put it on his Toad and he's like, I'll just you know keep Toad away for the rest of the game. And it was really funny how um, it it was I it, we played like a mini game of can he keep Toad away from my guys and not lose which was really interesting as it turns mm-hmm. out he couldn't because he just like didn't have enough. He didn't have the ability to use his priority, for example, to get towed away from Wolverine. And so eventually Wolverine got to him, knocked him down and then Sabretooth picked it up and Sabretooth had it for the rest of the game. And just a monster, just one shot going around rolling. Where dice was and... Toad that he's next to Wolverine and Sabretooth? Uh, I ended up using Wolverine's ability to throw, um, he did like a regular claw slash and the superpower uh, tossed Toad. So first I threw Toad, he took a damage, then he decided to do the Toad slippery away. And so he's like, well, I can't go back towards Wolverine because Wolverine's just going to kill me right now. So I'll go out of his way and make him use another activation at least to try to knock t- uh, Toad down. And mm-hmm. so, but then at that moment, he was like, well, I, I can't activate Toad right now. That's a horrible reason. Like I could run away with Toad for what? Um, I need to do something else with my activation. So we picked Pyro to do some damage. And then I knocked down Toad and then I had a dossier and, the, and I was able to do a bunch of stuff. So at the end of the game, we kind of, we were sitting there going like, what was the best call there? Uh, if Pyro, if Pyro didn't get to activate because I downed him, he lost a lot of damage and the attrition would have been way on my side. But right, because so... I had the dossier, then I had tons of maneuverability and Sabretooth was one-shotting everything. So it was interesting. Sounds like he split the difference of trying to stay away and also just ignoring it. I feel right. like either is okay, both is bad. Yeah. Because he, he gave up the resources of having Toad, but also gave you exactly what you wanted. That he, seems bad. Yeah, he thought about putting it on Juggernaut at first, and I got really excited because I was like, oh man, I would love to be able to do da- damage to Juggernaut faster. But then he put I it mean, on I mean, you say that, but Juggernaut can infinitely run away really easily while also contributing. And uh, is not easily killed. Mm-hmm. Mm, full rerolls help a lot. <laughs> yeah. Sure. No, it's not irrelevant, but like Logan has to spend a lot of value to get to him every turn if he's actually just like running away. Can like, you can come in? Do you know who I am? Throw Logan to the to the one corner of the table and go the other way, and it's just mm-hmm. like, you know, how long is it going to take him to get back? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't think it's automatically a good call, but I think there's a lot of counterplay you could use if you did do it. He ended up putting it on Toad because he wanted Juggernaut to go in and try to contribute right. to the scenario game. Yeah. And he was like, well, mm-hmm. I, I can't let Juggernaut, he, couldn't, he felt like he couldn't afford Juggernaut to just leave the battle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the issue I have with Weapon X is just that 
they have like their only defense is healing and one tactics card. So if you just attack them and they take damage, you lose the game, right? Like the weapon X player just loses because you get you get killed. But if you have hot defense dice, bad offense dice, perfect situations to play exceptional healing, then they become a serious problem mm-hmm. because you don't get punished for it, right? Mm-hmm. And that happens in some games, both sides. Like spider foes kind of do the same thing. It's like I have above average stat line. And if you come up one short, you're going to get really punished. And so, like, I get it. It's just annoying because that's all they do. Like, a lot of other affiliations do other stuff, too. Well, that's one of the reasons I put Inspiring Monologue in the list. Because I was just like, mm-hmm. I feel like I need another thing. I consider to do Sacrifice even, too. I don't um, hate it. I think it's a good It's a good drop. It's just, yeah. I don't know. I th- feel like quickly, again, Tactus cards are getting crept up pretty high. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think inspiring monologues getting pretty steep as an investment cost already. Right. Um, anyway, though, I, I I mean it's I like I like the the stuff you're doing. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, um, there's a couple things I wanted to bring up. Um, so you guys were telling me the other day that uh, LVO is painted only for the Invitational. Mm, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Why is it painted only? Because they're going to be on stream. A lot of events have stream. I'm not defending okay. it. I'm informing you. Okay. I just, I, I really don't like that it's painted only. Um, I'm not against painting, but like it's, I'm not in a spot to paint right now. So I'm trying to weigh the options on what I should do because I, I can't really paint an army right now. So I'm either going to have to play a list that is exclusively painted models that I already have, which would like Brotherhood wouldn't be terrible, but like it wouldn't be a good list because not everything is painted. Or I'd have to, like, borrow models from other people, and I really don't want to do that, especially traveling. Like, the only people I would borrow stuff from would be you guys, but I'm sure you're only taking what you're playing with, so not helpful. I'm going to carry my tray on the plane. The whole thing. I hope we're on the same flight. <laughs> Can you imagine? Guys, uh, I would love to see you get chokeslammed by a flight attendant. That would be hilarious. I'll, I'll just <laughs> set it on top of their drink cart. Hey, just mm-hmm. go ahead and leave that there real quick, would you? Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually make um, little mini Magnaracks, not Battle Phone, but other companies do, that are meant to be travel bags, and they're just little, like, they're, they're like, twice the size of a lunchbox. Uh-huh. They've got, like, a shoulder strap, and so they're meant to go on planes, and you, like, keep the, like, your personal item. They fit the personal item category on planes, and so you can, like, just put your one little squad of models in there and travel with them. And uh, Adam Crumpton from Muse on Minis, he used to have one. And uh, I saw him with it at, I think it was Depticon. It was a pretty cool little bag. All right. Cool. So today we're mainly talking about the new missions. And we've gotten some more games with them. So we're going to talk about some experiences we've had. Um, does anybody have anything they'd like to say about them just as a start? Like any big bullet points they've uh, noticed while playing? All my games have been very close. Like nobody has ran away with many things. And then I look at the table and go, there's nothing I can do. And it's kind of the other way as well, where I'm playing games and I'm like, I'm doing okay, but all of a sudden my entire list is dazed and I don't have anything and I lose by a little bit. Like the game is on the edge of a knife and that I think that was what me and Aaron were kind of talking about. I, I think he kind of agrees, but that that's where I'm at with it. it. It seems like the game could go either way in turn three. It kind of like falls to where it's going to go and the game's probably over turn four. That's how I've been. Yeah. like every game I, has been. I was actually gonna, I was actually gonna say something similar with a slightly different point, which is, 
the game is so close all the time now that I feel like um, you could very easily go to turns five and six now. And the game is still up in the air. That's that's what I actually thought. I did not think it was. Hmm. I did not think it was. I, in fact, I th- I feel like before you could so much easier, much more easily decide if it was over on turn three. Now, like my game with against Brandon is a great example. I was, you know, I I felt like I was on the ropes at one point, and then all of a sudden the whole game just flipped over, and then it just sat on that knife's edge for four turns, like. It wasn't until turn five or six that we actually could say, okay, the game is over. Um, yeah. I concur. With yeah, I, uh, Go ahead. I agree. Uh, the game is the getting rid of all the all or nothing score missions is absolutely huge. It creates a much more forgiving game environment, which is much more conducive of like uh, interesting lines of thought and play. I like it a lot. Um it's definitely more attrition-y. Like, it's definitely... It used to be get all the points you can, and when you can't get points, fight for more points. Like, that was what the game used to be, and now it's just like, we're just going to go to where the points are and murder each other, and, like, that feels like how the game works now. I think there's a strong competitive aspect to continuing to just focus on the points. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm not saying you ignore the points. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, to the detriment of your health and attrition. Like, you mm-hmm. can just sell out for points and potentially do very, very well. Um, but my experiences so far have been that the, the new missions are extremely fun. I'm really enjoying playing Marvel, but it is less competitive than it used to be. And by that, I mean, you couldn't plan out your game based off of your deployment, right? Like you could see how a game yeah. was going to go. Okay. I'm going to go here, here, here. You can do this, this, this. Yeah. It's gonna, much less. I'll be up four to two. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of just our people are going to meet and we're just going to dice. will determine the game. It's not just going to be. Okay, I can already tell that I'm going to win by four or something to that effect. Um, anyway, those are my senses of what's going on right now. Uh, yeah. I don't know if we're talking about individual missions yet. Are we talking about individual missions? No, just overarching thoughts yeah. and ob- observations. Yeah, I was going to say that I think another thing that, that I like is that uh, I feel anyway like the abilities for on the tokens are a lot more live. I feel like they are. Or rather, there used to be missions where they felt very dead, where they felt very unusable or uninteresting or unimportant. And now I feel like they're much more important. I'm paying much more much, much more uh, attention to them. They're and, definitely more interacted now. Like, it used yeah. to be that they were kind of just passive abilities that would happen once around. And now mm-hmm. it's like, seems like the mission you're playing is very involved in your, your like, turn-to-turn yeah. actions. Uh, but another thing, kind of going along with that, there are a couple of missions now that totally change the game state mid turn or mid round Mm -hmm. and that is weird that's not something we saw before or if you did it was unlikely to happen or if it did happen it was costly but now there's lots of ways lots of games that you'll you'll be playing something and like not even after deployment just at the beginning of your round you'll go okay i think i can count on these couple of things and then you literally do one thing (laughs) spend one power and interact and now it's a completely different board state you're like, well, mm-hmm. crud. Here we go. There's been there's been several games I've been watching where people will interact and then like, or they'll go to interact and go, like, wait, I need to do this other stuff first. Yeah. Like, it's like because things are about to happen as soon as you spend that power. Uh-huh. So yeah, that's that's good. Um, hmm. Okay. Uh, so moving into this, I'm trying to decide where I want us to kind of start at. Um, let's start talking about the types of missions a little bit. 
Um, Aaron had mentioned earlier that you think that there's some missions that are definitely more, should I say, risque than other missions, a little bit more aggressive or, you know, abusable, maybe. Sure. I can talk about some of my thoughts. Okay. Uh, first of all, sword is the biggest one that stands out to me. Um, you should not you should not play sword in a comp- competitive environment unless you already have like 15 games of it under your belt because holy shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, in theory, it's very neutral, right? There's four secures. Attrition teams are going to like it because uh, it's a it's a very tight box, so everyone's going to fight. The problem is I played it three times in my past six games. Um, you can just go last and check every sword point. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and I did. <laughs> Like with Juggernaut, I got check this, check that, check that, check that. Look at that! I won three of the four contested flips. I guess I win. Um, and because the games are so tight now, that fifty-fifty flip is ball breaking for your opponent. Um, so I think going wide with a long mover, a la Black Cat, can have some serious shenanigans on sword. Just in that particular one, but there are other ones. Because a, a short mover can get to the point on the first turn, right? Uh, double move to the point, yes. I'm talking... No, no, on sword, right? You can long move and interact with one of them immediately. Yes. So if you had a character that was a long mover that could get either a free interact or extra power on the first turn, they, on the first turn, can interact with multiple objectives. Correct. Of the sword base. So yeah. that'd be that'd be X-Men or somebody with two power and speed but long. X-Men, Brotherhood... I'm uh, talking no, about a brother, later Brotherhood play. cannot. Mystique. So like, Mystique. I, I know. I'm just yeah. bringing. I'm also bringing this up as I wanted to mention that. Yeah. I mean, I just played Senator Sword today, uh, and I went seven wide at 19 uh, with a long mover. So I had uh, enough people to pick up four senators and have the last activation to double move and 50% flip one of my opponent's sword. Nothing they could do about it. So that's like a, a round one play without advanced R and D or uh, inhuman shenanigans. Um, Anyway, I think there's a lot of ways that you could get get screwed on sword uh, specifically. Senators is the sixth one, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. So not only does it, it it feels like you're extra punished in a mission like that because you've got the six extracts in the middle, so you're going to move up to basically the middle and not pick up an extract that just seems punishing. And so you basically have to ignore the sword base, which means your opponent can just flip yours for free if they have the extra power. True. Our first four moves were all to pick up senators, and we both had grunts. So, um, um, so there's because you can contest a senator and contest one of the um, the sword bases, right? I'd have to math it out, but I think so. I think you can. I guess I can pull it up on my pictures. I mean, we just played it. Yeah, they're one apart. I was going to say that I think they're pretty close. Yeah, um, you can pick up I, senator. So, and. So that means that any army that had the free interactor extra power, like Asgardians, X-Men, Brotherhood, anything like that, would have a huge advantage on that scenario. Now, I'm not sure could... if you can get to the back sword with short movers. I'm like, there's not a lot of long movers other than Mystique. Unless you want to take Oh, wait, well, in brother... You mean is... Well, you don't have to play affiliated characters. Sure. You just... Long yeah. movers. Yeah, like quick... So they have three long movers in faction, though. The problem... And I guess here... So, like, my opponent's playing shield, or hydra, rather, mm-hmm. but with Bucky, and so they've got a lot of firepower. My first action is a double move, take your uh, your back sword. Like, that model's probably just dead. No, sure, but you, like, it could be Juggernaut, it could be a lot of people. Sure. But you don't have to, but with swords specifically, if you if you were okay with the 50-50, you don't have to go to your opponent's side. You can just wait till later. 
and, and that's that was my preferred strategy. I'm gonna it, I, it was my my kingpin strategy of just double moving to your back points. I'm just gonna yeah. do it now, but with sword. And if I can put two long movers, and I can guarantee I'm gonna go to the one you're not across that you've already moved the character that's that's facing me, so I'm not gonna get uh, burned down. Um, yeah, so I, I just go wide. I take all the extracts with my first couple of points, and then end up uh, trying to overflip you on yours. Like uh, I'm not saying it's the best strategy in the world, but that strategy combined with uh, keeping someone to flip every single point as the last activation in the in the round uh, seemed really strong. Yeah, it also that's also nice because it doesn't matter if you're on the backside. Injured doesn't really matter at that point. You just need bodies with power to flip. That's it. Yes, and uh, you can't even daze them to help you out because uh, it doesn't count healthy characters, just any. Yeah. Yeah, sword seems like the other thing about sword is if, like you said, whoever's going last, you have to pay really close attention to whatever they have mm. left. <laughs> it's weird. That's that is well, it's really a person not going last, right? Because you you almost need to like do something about it. Like you need mm-hmm. to like try and daze their last remaining character with your last activation to prevent them from overflipping you. Yeah. So anyway, I think attrition yeah. squads like it, but you should definitely play it a bunch because I I think it. Yeah. It could bite you in the butt. Did we ever get any word about the uh, sword base wording? Uh, it is whoever controls the base makes the push. Okay, Just so same as it used to be. Yeah. So they added a sentence that would seem contradictory to the previous wording, and it means the same thing. Got it. Um, other funny thing we found is the Hydra Grunts, um, if positioned correctly, can check three of the points for free. And considering they just straight roll a die, even if they're contested, is worst case scenario. They either just get three of them or roll three attack dice needing damage results to get them, um, which is super funny. And even if you summon them in, they can still easily get to two, which is pretty great. So that means without spending one power, if Red Skull goes last, you can check all four points. In fact, you can easily check multiple one or two of them twice because you could take opposing diagonals twice in the same activation and then the other diagonals once yeah don't play sword or do and have don't a play sword ha- have don't a great time it is fun have have red skull yeah yeah boy it, uh, se- it seems brutal my uh my second uh note is fury on even extracts so before we're talking like the whole fury and grunts go take hammers uh, which I think was kind of a trap before because you wanted Fury to be doing other stuff with his power, like Eye in the Sky, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, Hammers was relatively low scoring with only four. Um, now, if you're playing like Senators, like that game's over turn three, likely. So you don't need to worry about Fury's power management so much. You can almost, quote-unquote, guarantee a 4-2 split on Senators just by going first with Fury and the Grunts. Grunts double move and take their their Senator. And then Fury takes your senator. And now you're up two to zero. Unless they have similar grunt shenanigans, just basic math ends up four to two. Well, the only other grunt that can pick them up is the ninja, and he's he's pretty easy to get a hold of. Yep. Uh, so like well, I said, that's just... how I started four to, four to two on senators, and I ended up winning the game mm-hmm. by two points. So you can... Yeah. It's pretty feel... strong starting with a 4-2 lead on extracts. I feel like... Um... Uh, actually, I'll actually ask you guys. Do you think you'll see um, Fury dropped in now, even instead of someone like um, Voodoo, just because of this kind of thing? Where you would you see this oh. monster extract 
scenarios and you're like this it, so this basically case, are you asking if grunt characters are as overtly powerful as like voodoo's possess yeah i think it's it's in the same general area mm-hmm. depending on the mission lineup and everything, like if you get the the perfect mission with like whichever grunt we're talking about i think grunts are that strong i think i think voodoo gets a little weaker in a in a setting where people are playing seven wide and that's the way to win i think voodoo does worse in that kind of situation because what unless possessing them is the one maybe it's great because like we've been talking about there's only a few points difference now maybe voodoo makes that difference for you and clinches the win hmm. but i wanted i want to know if just having the grunt would be better because it's an extra body it gives you um having the grunt is immensely better yes it's yeah. it literally just a whole extra character that you don't have to manage power on and you don't have to worry about survivability it's, or and it's priority you don't lose priority to have and, right yeah. it, it gives you extra character without punishing your priority selection yeah it it's insane how strong grunts are. I thought for sure by now we would have seen an adjustment to grunts. Um, but so like, for example, in this comparison, talking about like voodoo and the, the higher quantity of scoring tokens, the higher quantity of characters we're expecting to see going back to when like black hat and quicksilver and all the original stealers were out and people were like, Oh, well you really only play these on single extracts to make it fair. So that like, oh, they got the power core. So then in the later turns, I can steal it from them. And then it evens out because they had it for a turn. I get it for a turn and it's fine. Because so it basically breaks up the, the sit on something concept. Mm-hmm. But what it ended up really being was I can break any even tie in points. And so like we're doing worthy, we each get two. Well, now I get three, really. So what are you going to do about me having three of them? Because now I'm two points ahead of you every round unless you have an immediate answer. And so that same situation happens with Voodoo because you can't defend every point like they're all possessed. It's like the criminal issue. It's like, well, I can't put three guys in every point. It's not feasible. And so the the the, the steal, the possess, the, the non-contesting is always going to be valid because you can't defend every point like that model's about to get possessed. You don't have the resources. And so it's always live. I'm telling you, Avengers with Voodoo, Black Cat, and Quicksilver in a list. It's still yeah, like there's, scary as shit. Like that, that used to be stupid, right? Like you don't need that much stealing. Well, now there's just enough tokens to justify it. And you're like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Okay. Why in Avengers? Just any particular reason? Just they're because good. Quicksilver they're... and Voodoo are both in Avengers, and they're and I mean, the powers are cheaper. Yeah. yeah. I was just looking to affiliate them very quickly. Yeah. Sure. I got it. Um, technic. Midnight Suns, right? Cat and Voodoo, sure. Yeah, Cat Voodoo. Uh, I have found the extract stealing to be uh, very pertinent in, in my games. Although for me, it's been a combination of Black Pat, Black Cat, OG Human Torch, and Pyro uh, have all gotten in on the extract shenanigans. But they're literally what has led to games being won and lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like we were saying, the games are so close. Yeah, that... when the games are close, yeah. That changing one point for a couple turns is a big difference. Like, that's a four-point swing. If I steal it, you can't get it back. Right. Yep. Jeremy, have you uh, noticed um, any emphasis on trying to steal objectives in your games? Um, I mean, I put grunts in my, my list, not to steal, but mm-hmm. to try and get an advantage on objectives, for sure. sure. I'd put Black Cat back in because I wanted to be sure to be able to steal. So, yeah, everything you're saying is uh, true. Like, those things are mm-hmm. all true. I agree. Cool. Cause like, was... in our game, Parker, like, our game was one point off. Like, mm-hmm. if I had just been able to take one of your objectives, the game would have ended a turn earlier. Yeah, I Anything thought about it. Anything you do uh, to negate oh, dice, 
is a big deal right now because if mm-hmm. you're just punching each other in the face, then it is a dice game, and most of the game is in the middle of the table now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, another thing I considered about our game is, uh, remember I, I mentioned that I should have, I could have played one Sabretooth turn better to pick up one at one point, you mm-hmm. know, earlier. And yeah. it's funny, in older games, I think that, I remember while we were playing that game, I was like, ah, but what's one point, you know? <laughs> and now in this game, it, it is, it's, it's a big, big deal. Messing up a single activation uh, and losing the opportunity to get a point is much much more impactful now when games are being decided by one or two points in every contest. Mm-hmm. I, I do say that I like that a lot more, though. I, I like this situation a lot more. I like playing all six turns of the game and it being useful and meaningful. I like the idea that the game's not over. I'm going to have to shed something, though, because I, I can get defeatist really fast. Like One bad activation sometimes can really defeat me, so I'm going to have to shake that shit off now, because I felt like before... I could see somebody flip two points and I got, they got three points. I got zero and I looked at the board and I was like, shit, they're up seven. I have one. Um, I look at the game still going, well, I feel really fucked. <laughs> and I, and mm-hmm. I, and I was right. Um, now I need to stop that. I need to, I need to, when that kind of thing happens, well, I need there to should never be go. a seven, one split, like basically ever again. Like, right. Right. Like that it's, it's silly to think even just now how easy it was, right? Like, mm-hmm. Oh, I took Nick Fury on hammers meteors that's a seven one turn or six one turn you're like shit <laughs> like you're like mm-hmm. that shouldn't be that easy to get a six one lead right so i i am very excited that that's happening now but i will have to kind of adjust how i look at the game and the pace of the game and continue playing and continue to be positive about you know the turns and also understand that if i got something negative to happen to me that my opponent could have something like that happen to them it's more of a, like a Blood Bowl mentality, kind of. Just like, just let it roll, because, yeah. you know, it, it, it can come back. Mm-hmm. Specifically, I'm talking about um, Senators. Oh, sorry, not Senators. Uh, Meteors the, was the all-or-nothing blue. Uh, what's the one that... Um, what's the new one that, when you pick people up, you might just immediately move? <laughs> what is scrolls. that? Scrolls. 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 Yeah, I play, yeah, I played scrolls. That's, that's our next bullet point, is yeah. scrolls are dangerous. Be careful. <laughs> yeah, scrolls. <laughs> yeah, there's a transition for you. I, I mean, I played a game with scrolls, and that shit was weird. And if, what the funny thing was, is it, it happened to my opponent as much as it happened to me. So we both had, you know, things happen. But in the middle of their mm-hmm. turn, the game state just completely changes. Man. I remember people used to complain about spider infected being super dicey because sometimes it would hit one player way more than the other and it was hard to come back from. And uh, so this is just going to be that times 9-11. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to be so bad. Like, you're like, oh, look, I hit five in a row, got moved into death. My opponent never once had it. And you're just going to be people screaming in the background like, why is this happening to me? Uh, I actually like, wonder. Uh, I, I eat less pork. Yeah. I have a feel like uh, I feel also that people will start to memorize the odds of a crit or wild on their with their defense dice pool, <laughs> like staring at that token going, hmm. What is the odds of me rolling a crit or wild with a three dice roll? With what four dice that? at sixty percent, twenty five percent per die. Yeah. So what did you say, uh, Aaron? It's about sixty eight percent with four dice. Yeah, that's that's a coin flip with a with you know a, 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 on this game a pretty high average, right? Who's... We use physical for that one. Yeah. Yeah, it is physical. That's, did I say physical? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that uh, I was just reminded. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's really bad too when you finally go and you knock a model down and then they drop it and you're like cool 
I'll pick it up. <laughs> six, you pick it up, point and then you get percent. put right in the middle of their shoot. Like, you just get shot to death and die. Like, it's so awful. Sorry, my mental mm-hmm. math was off by 0.36. I, I expect it. better from you. I'll try. I doubt that was mental math. <laughs> Did you actually <laughs> do the math, or you just regurgitate the number you already knew? <laughs> I'll leave you in suspense. Uh, it's not suspense why I heard you say it previously. <laughs> So a quick tangent, um, uh, talking about the, the tournament I went to, uh, I was a little taken aback by the terrain. Uh, there was a lot of it, and it was placed exactly how you would place it, Brandon, according to the map where it goes. <laughs> so, so they're just nine buildings in contact with each other, and then some cars A huge fucking size five right in the middle of the goddamn board, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so... St- my first takeaway was that's a lot more terrain than I'm used to seeing. So I don't know if we play with the, I don't know how you want to describe it, community-approved uh, amount of terrain. I, I, I totaled up the, uh, the numbers. Size. Uh, it, was, it was low 40s. Uh, they basically that's took all of, the, all of the recommendeds and did like max. Yep, size 5, 2 size 4, uh, 3 size 3s, like 7 size 2s. Like, okay. They're all within the the guidelines but they're all on the high side of those guidelines uh so there's a lot yeah no it, it gets there fast um i so in all of the events we've gone to i feel like we do a pretty fair amount now we used to do i think a little much um but we also didn't do as many size fours as other people do like as soon as like it was really just like me playing magneto all the time i always felt bad for playing size fours yeah because i was like oh like well it's great when you have two size fours on every table like <laughs> and so I stopped putting size fours on any tables. And then like, that was just the norm for so long. Cause I played Magneto for a long time. We just yeah. didn't have size fours. Cause it was like, I didn't want people to feel like I was trying to game the board. Um, and yeah, so I see a lot of size fours on other people's tables. And at most we ever have one. Yep. Um, the other takeaway though, is that we talk about these uh, missions in a sterile environment, but obviously when you throw terrain on the board, uh, shit gets real. Like yeah, parent- that's why I was, Parent had a super easy game because that size five piece of terrain uh, was just off center enough to where he could double move and sit on all the middle shit and his opponent couldn't. Yeah. So he was just like, I just basically scored out in three turns and one. And there was, there wasn't jack shit his opponent could do about it. I can't see you, but you're behind the size five building. It was just horrible. Um, Anyway. Yeah. Take everything Um, we're saying about scenarios with a, uh, and crisis with a grain of salt because terrain has a huge impact. Which leads me to That's think, fair. do I need to start prioritizing flight and or long movers? Because like my traditional Shadowlands well, list is like completely effed by terrain. How about this? Um, if you ever saw a size 5 building in the middle of a table again, would you tell the judge like you shouldn't put that there? Like, Not necessarily, no. But do you think it should be there? Do you think there's any world where that's fair? Like, I'm all for one side having an advantage board state and the other side not. So it all but depends like, on the crisis. Advantaged and there's not okay. Well, right, but you can't control that in between the rounds. Like, I can't make them not play scrolls. Right, so where, so where do I put the size five so it's not going to have an impact? Because I put it in one of the quadrants, maybe it's directly on top of their, you know, infinity formula well, they but, can't get to. But by the same justification, putting like a size four piece of train one-tenth of an inch outside of somebody's deployment zone along the line is not fair. Like, there is no amount of okay on that. Like, you're just saying that you don't get to deploy your models, like, the same way I do. It's just, it's not balanced. 
And so, like, uh, the game isn't designed for you to be able to screw people's deployments that hard. What's funny like, is that you could also, as a second player, you also get to kind of, you're almost in a moral quandary no, there, right? That's what we're talking oh, about. Yeah. yeah, it's like, but let's say you just win the role. You don't get a choice. Mm-hmm. There's no choice for priority. If you win the role, you have priority. It's not an option. Yeah. So you actually want to lose the role, and sort of back to the same spot where one player's getting screwed and neither player has any control of the situation. But like so, in our our like I, I've just noticed Jim mentioned it. I don't can't remember the last time I saw a size five terrain on a board at the Geekery. Do we even have we all, one? We have several that okay. nobody likes playing with them because they're right. annoying. You can't see stuff. Yeah. How many times have you played with size five and forgotten a model was behind it? <laughs> oh, the yeah. thing is fucking a foot tall. I think the very first game I ever played had a size five piece on it, and I thought it was cool because Doc Ock could climb on top of it. I remember like, haha, <laughs> cool, and then. That was the last time I think I ever saw one. Yeah. I would honestly ask, and I've done this at tournaments and stuff, ask my opponent, like, hey, are are you cool with this thing? You know, like, can we talk to a judge and see what they say about it? But yeah. I was at a table right next to people, and I, I don't know, it might have been one of you guys where the dude was having a fit about it. Like, no, that's train. That's the way it's supposed to stay. It stays like that because that's the way it's set up. Well, if you go to enough tournaments, you know people move things around and just put things to convenience <laughs> stuff and like well, pilot. Yeah. I mean, like you don't that's, know. that's a, also objectively false because there's a mechanic in the game to destroy it. Therefore, it will never be in the same spot after it's destroyed. That's true. So, absolutely. Like, um, that's that's a terrible argument. And that was not me. I, I definitely know the people who make those arguments. And like, I am not for moving terrain. Yeah. If it was set there on purpose by a judge in yeah. this game, there's no way to prove that happened. Should you just move the train without asking your opponent? Absolutely fucking not. Correct. You should never do that. Absolutely. If you ask your opponent, you both agree to move something, that's fine. If you guys can't agree, you are certainly okay to call a judge and ask him to move it. And then it's his call. He's mm-hmm. an impartial person. Yep. He can come over and go, I didn't fucking set that up like that. This is not supposed to be here. Or he can say, yeah, I put that there. This is intended to be terrain. Gotcha. Yeah. I just, yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm I'm very you should much definitely. That. Yeah, you should definitely, if you have a concern about a piece of train, talk with your opponent and or the judge about it. Hundred mm-hmm. percent, do that. Because most of the time, the inconvenience of something big and stupid, um, like the jet, the jet is another one that's big and stupid. Yeah. Like, where's that at? What's that going to do? Uh, is that going to make your game fucking miserable? Like for both players, like that. The, the can only happen. place I have ever seen it where it wasn't a dramatic issue was in the corner of the table where it no, no one ever gets near it. Yeah, that's the only time it doesn't cause problems. It looks great. I love it. I actually like it playing games cool with it on the table. It can't be anywhere but one of the four corners. Like that's the only place it can be. Actually, we talked about. Um, you could put it on a giant dowel rod like it's flying above the city. That would be cool. <laughs> but that's the only other thing you can do with it. It's funny that you guys mentioned it because I wondered I've I now that I don't think I've ever asked my opponent to move to the other side of a table when there's because I don't think like I said, I think I've, the number of games I've played with size fives is, is so low. But I would absolutely if I got second place, I would absolutely make that call. I wonder if, like Aaron mentioned, if we should start practicing with that so we get better at knowing what like your list might like if you're looking at it going, okay, my list would love to have a building on my side because then I can stick some of my web crawlers, my flyers, my long-range guys that also happen to do this. I would well, That would be, be a great idea. I'm going to make sure I have a size 5 on my side. Or, you know, I would love for him to get fucked by a size 5. I bet he would get fucked if it were from where that, that thing is placed because I don't know that right now. 
I literally don't I guess know. The, I would have to guess. My concern is not that it the size, it's its physical space, right? Like, I'm not mm. concerned that mm-hmm. I'll have to make a climb action. I don't give a shit about climb actions. That's fair and balanced. The problem being that, like, I can't physically stand within, like, there's this two-inch border around the building. You can't stand there. You can't stand that close to the edge of the building. You can't hang off the edge. You can't be partially on it. And so there's this big, like, red aura around the edge of the building on both sides of the border where you just can't be there. Like, I can't put my model there and measure range to something because it's impossible. Well, okay, well, I'm, so, a, I'm a little confused. Say again, say again. Okay, what are you... so you can't hang off a building, right? Right, right. So but when putting this, this border down where your base cannot straddle it, you must be completely on one side of the line. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. Like the interaction we have with terrain, ah. you ca- it makes it to where you can't stand in some places. Got it. So, like, that's where I don't think these terrain pieces are balanced because like, they're really. So, when big, I was explaining so that, that the actual, deployment zone earlier. Okay. When I was explaining the exploding zone, so if there is one tenth of an inch farther than your deployment zone, there's a size five building. So you have to deploy completely within your deployment zone where your opponent doesn't have to, because you can't be hanging off the edge of the building to be at the deployment zone. So you have to deploy off the building behind it and lose like an inch and a half of deployment in some situations. Then take a climb action to climb on top of the building. So you're losing like six inches of movement and line of sight. Like that's the part. Like it's that. It's not the climb action. If I was only downgrading my movement, I yeah, then sure, you should be able... If you're worried about that, take flight and wall crawler. I get that. But when you're like, okay, well... I mathematically can't contest the middle objective because my base can't fit where the space is because the the token's on top of a building and it's 1.1 inches away from the edge of the building. And so my opponent can move up there and I can't. I'm actually interested. You mentioned this because basically what you're you're worried about is the perimeter of the building, not so much the face of the the, the perimeter. So like the actual, the number of inches it is taking up of the board that forces your models to move left or right, up or down. So I'm curious, uh, under the rules of the game, when they're balancing the the recommended or suggested number of terrain pieces, if they took that into account. Uh, For example, I guess what I'm saying is, are there, when we take the size five building off, are we replacing those with four kiosks? I don't think we are, right? So we lose a huge amount of that perimeter, a huge amount of that space the models can Oh, you mean be. like the, the, the dead board space from that? Yeah. I guess, uh, I guess two was... kiosks is more dead space than one size five apartment building. Of course, right. So I guess what I'm saying is since we, since I, when I set up my boards or just the game shop, since we're not putting that perimeter down, we're not playing with, <laughs> I guess, rather than the size uh, of models collectively on the board, we should also consider like, the amount of perimeter we put down on the board because we may have a very fluctuating amount of that. It's interesting. Well, that, that's actually what I was saying is like the, the two kiosks is more than the outline of the size five. And so we technically, if you use the same amount of size, like a car and a kiosk are probably pretty similar to a size five apartment building. So as long as you're following the size, I think you're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That's, now, in, in, but I guess what I'm saying is, we should not expect that when we go travel. When we travel, sure, we should but I mean, you that. you can't plan for terrible terrain, right? Like, that's not something you should oh, be practicing. That's interesting because you think you, it's just, you think it's terrible. There's no terrain? counterplay. There's no counterplay to terrible terrain. You just have to oh. get. You just have to live through it and experience it. Like, okay, Aaron, is there counterplay to terrible terrain? Did you did you try? <laughs> okay, so you go to a tournament. 
you get the roll to win. You win priority. Your opponent gets to choose board edge. You have size five apartment buildings base to base across your deployment line. And then on the other side of that, there's another row of size five apartment buildings. And then on your opponent's side, the board's completely open. Like like the, the apocalypse table and then some line between that and what is okay will exist at an event at one point. Like there's no point in playing anything past the realm of reasonable because there's no point. Like it's such a disadvantage you should expect to lose. And I, the only way you're going to win was a massive RNG advantage. I see that, but I, I am assuming, and maybe I'm assuming wrong, that the Armageddon table you're describing is not the one we're going to see. We're gonna. We're not gonna see the Armageddon where they put four size five tables. Well, yeah, you should never board. see it. But that's the point. Is like it's the you can downgrade it as much as you want, and you can pick an imaginary point between there and fair that you draw the line at, and just don't play anything worse than that. Like, like you can set up any table that you want, and you're like, all right, this is the worst table I will ever see. Like, maybe whatever, and then you can play on that and practice it if you want. But that's just up to you on where that line is. So if you're saying I should play more games with size five buildings, I 100% agree with you. That's a real thing you should do mm-hmm. because that is something that you can practice. And that's an element of terrain that you need to be used to playing. Like you need to know which models can get up there easily, which models can't. You know, the, the you need to get used to the fact that you need to remember if your opponent has a model behind this line of sight blocking object and is hiding it from you and you just can't see it. Put down the put down the tokens and see yeah. and then... Uh, do we like, need to put down the tokens I'm going before to we set, decide what I'm going to set up a table now. that is completely ridiculous and just play on it for no reason. Like that's that's ridiculous to me. Right. I don't think I don't think that would be the exercise to take. Yeah. Well, the rule I see get broken all the time is you're not supposed to set terrain up within range two of other terrain. Yeah, that and does like, get broken a lot. This weekend, like there was I I don't know tons of terrain just set up. Yeah. You know, one and a half from everything. Like I said, there was uh, a lot thing, of terrain. To where I speaking. Of, go ahead. I was just going to say, speaking of that rule, it really annoys when I get to a table and my opponent is moving the terrain to follow that rule. <laughs> and he's like, that's not how this works. You're not the judge. You can't, like, enforce rules. <laughs> and the judge supposedly set up the fucking terrain, who is uh, the guy who determines which rules we're following today. Like, it, it, it just annoys me that people are... Because the, clearly the issue is they don't want to play without that rule in place because they're used to it and they like it. And so they're just enforcing that play style on everyone they play and quoting a rule when they do it. If you want to do it, ask your opponent first. Don't just start moving terrain. Sure. We talked about this earlier, but just bringing it up again. How'd you do I in your tournament, beat. Aaron? Uh, I won. Good job. Who did you beat? Mm, I got the bye first round. I played Ken. He was the organizer, so he played me. We had a really good game. I played Mags into his Avengers. I tabled him because... Uh, Apex Predator rolled like a god on defense and just like owned three people on his flank. It was stupid. <laughs> nice. And I played a really nice guy, Mason. And uh, we had a, we had an almost perfect mirror match. There was one model different in our mags rosters. And I ended up just uh, out scenarioing, scenarioing him 1813. Then I played nice. my son on Sword Hammers. He played Shadowlands. I played mags. Uh, 1614 victory for mags uh, in a really tight game. Cool. How many people played in that? Eight. Was Tim there? Yeah. He was one of the said eight. Nice. How's he doing? He's doing well. Cool. All right. Uh, back on the mission topic. Um, intrusions. What do you guys think about this mission? We were a little worried that the not taking damage would not be uh, detrimental enough to deter 
discourage people from just being in all places at all times. Uh, in the one game me and Parker played, it was way more jump happy than I expected. <laughs> I think a lot of people are going to like this mission. I think only two or three affiliations actually like this mission. Yeah. I feel um, like this is going to be the the new hammers where people are like, oh, yeah, I like fighting. They're like, well, like, do you like fighting or do you like fighting? Yeah. I, after I played it now twice with Weapon X, one of the things I love about Weapon X is they're all very uh, maneuverable. Like all three of their main offensive pieces are super maneuverable. And intrusions actually just gave my opponent maneuverability also yeah. for free. Yep. And so yep. uh, it, it didn't actually give me a huge advantage, just kind of took it away. However, there's one thing I will say about it um, that I think it's if you do have a faction that has like a lot of range three attacks, for example, um, they would love intrusions because basically you stick your character anywhere within one at the end of your turn. And then you can guarantee that their actual new threat range is not a range three bubble around them, but like a range three point five around all three intrusions. <laughs> and yeah, that it's is like a big snowman. Right. Sideways snowman. It is a it is an enormous amount of actual threat range that you have. And I I actually don't know. It's it's gonna take me time to train myself. I don't know how many opponents will ever be able to look at each model next to a blue point and realize that. That at the beginning of their next turn they have literally this much threat actually for their full round. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's that hard. I, I think that's pretty standard. I think you, you, you say that, but oh, sorry, I, I, this is my mistake. I forgot we were talking about to Parker and he just plays all the new people at the shop that have never played before. And so, yeah, it will be hard for those people. No, I, but I guess here's the thing. I, I, I know you say that, but but <laughs> there is something about tabletop games, and when we think about threat ranges, and I and what I'm telling you, intrusions is going to mess with people who don't get wise to this because, and I think a lot of people will not get wise to this. When I end my turn of this character on this side of the board, and this other character is the completely other side of the board, and three you know range three away from the blue point, thinking they're quite safe, and then I use literally the furthest model in my army from them to get them um it's going to surprise people a lot you, you did a great job of mansplaining that the second time you explained it uh but i agree with you i think that is exactly what you said the first time but i think everyone's a lot of people are going to get that i don't i, I, I think it's going to i think we're going to people are, i don't I think, I think the I majority think humans, of people that play the game already get it I think the like, I think we are primates and we will not see that ambush tactic as well okay. as we should. I think Aaron, do you do you do you view the game that way? I'm basically a primate, yes. No, I meant do you do you look at the board and go, okay, all these models are actually adjacent to me? Um I'm gonna rain on Parker's parade and say yes. I, I also so, do. Like the I, entirety okay. of our game, I was I knew every single model could attack me at every time. I played intrusions a couple times, quote unquote. Except for the ones that I web snared away from the intrusions so that they couldn't. Those models couldn't. Uh, anyway, Jeremy, I, do, do you ever I'm not, play I'm not getting involved. <laughs> I'm not getting it. <laughs> you guys, you guys work on that for the next thirty minutes and then tap me back in. If you are not playing Magneto Brotherhood, I don't think you should play intrusions. There's my hot take. Uh, I I think that it's a short it's a longer list than that but the list is quite short yeah i'm, I'm just saying that list on intrusions solves all of its weaknesses you get to throw all the train on the board 
you get to put yeah. up magnetic refraction. No, no, it, yeah. Everyone gets the to go everywhere, thing, kill people, and then the come back. The only thing you needed oh to God. say is Magneto gained a personal teleporter, and the, <laughs> the, that was all you needed to say. Yeah. It's, it's, so, we got it. Yeah. I have not played mags almost ever in the year and a half I've been playing, but. Park, Parker, can I tell you my favorite interaction of our entire game? I want to hear what Aaron's butt. I want to know because he said butt, and then. No, he was incredible. I saw yeah. my son played played him against me, and I lost. And then I played mags in the tournament and played intrusions and won. Like it was, it is, it is pretty stupid. What was your favorite moment, Brandon? Uh, that you took intrusions for the primary reason to keep so so that Logan could get away from his allies easily if he needed to. Mm-hmm. And then and then so, but you just deployed him on a flank. And you're like, well, I want to go to the other flank. Failed the roll, and I put him in the middle of your army, and you're like shit (laughs) this is the worst to to be fair uh i ended up getting the full tornado claw with all the rerolls oh sure after i killed all your other people (laughs) see that's the secret secret. just let everyone else die first yeah and then just roll eight hits on seven dice four consecutive times Mm -hmm. and then you know then you'll be okay right everything will get better Mm -hmm. if you just roll better i uh i think intrusions is going to be uh, I, I think intrusions will make newer players uh, really dislike playing experienced players. Uh, I think right. you'll you'll get used. I think everyone will get used to it eventually. But I I don't know why you're assigning this like incredible like galaxy brain status to people that can play intrusions. It's it's fairly simple. Oh no, I I think if to ex- I I think one hundred percent. It's what's the best way to put it. I think this you just have a very low opinion of the community. No, no, I, I, I don't. I really think it's just. I think it's a. You look at the stats of the card. You put the ruler, range ruler down next to the model. Everything seems very linear. Everything seems very obvious. And then when, when you're, when what actually is going on is because I ended my term within one of these three points. Now I have the the range one away plus the distance of my base plus the range of the attack now from all three of these points simultaneously i think people will get it but i think they will have i i think it will surprise people continuously it's going to be one of these things that adds to this whole the whole game state changes all the time i figured this um, out right. i know exactly like oh, did, oh, did is you, this I, the, I also figured it <laughs> so you take a piece of paper and you <laughs> fold Christ. it and then you stick a pencil through it <laughs> and then that's a wormhole mm-hmm. wait no that's a hole in the paper. <laughs> Fuck. What if you unfold it and there's two holes, but you were... Jeremy, there's there's a simple law of physics that most people know. I'm going to see if you know it. What is the shortest distance between two points? B. No. Oh, okay. The, the, the standard answer is a straight line. The correct answer is zero because you just bring the two points together. That was what I had. I had the pencil. The B. Yeah, that's, there that's was what a... you were doing. I, I know. I know, Jeremy. It's okay. Thank you. It's not okay. Uh, in actuality I think that is very uh, killy and I don't know that I will ever take that in a list just because I don't feel like being attacked by every model that you own (laughs) okay uh, moving on uh, I don't know how we we spent so long on this Uh, how did you spend so long fucking Brandon Jesus Christ you got Uh, baited Next one in is Researcher. We didn't cover all the adjustments accurately last time. Um, we did talk about how the, the the escape point is worth one instead of two. But also, you have to actually contest it as opposed to just having the point there. 
So I thought we'd bring that up. So it is a super low scoring. I think you have um, to secure it to yeah. score it. Yeah, sorry, I said that wrong. You have to secure it. Um anyway, moving on. Uh the final point I have here, according to Aaron, is um Marvel Crisis Pro Soul is back to being the Wild West. Um I think that it is the closest it's been is to year one of the game when uh the missions were less important and more just a framework we played around. Um and so it feels a lot more like that now. And it's partially due to the lack of experience. Things haven't gotten figured out yet. Like there were points in the previous with the old missions where we're like, all right, well, you just can't play these five missions because too many lists abuse them. And so you can basically only play these four. And so pick one to not take, basically, is basically how list selection worked. And maybe we'll get back to that point again, but it doesn't feel like it. Um, are you guys pretty happy with where missions are at? I mean, I know we've talked about a lot of confusing and annoying things or powerful things in the missions, but... Depends what you want to get out of the game. I have been having a blast. Marvel's never been more fun. I, I consider that high praise. Yeah. yeah Why do you say I that, think. Aaron? Because the games are closer. Yes. A lot of the ones there, you described. Less... A lot of the ones you described, you felt like they were very final and very over, and there wasn't a lot of interaction. So mm. what? Um, maybe those are just the ones that stand out to you. Maybe. Uh, maybe I'm speaking incorrectly. Uh, so all the games so, have been. So I, I pointed out how some some of the uh, crises could be abused. In none of my games have they actually been, like, super abused to run away with the game. Mm-hmm. Like, the vast majority of my games were won by two points or lost by two points. Like, all but two. One was one was tabled because we're playing Intrusions, and that shit's real. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of not running away with it, and there's, you're not able to forecast turns nearly as much as you were. Or the game mm-hmm. state in a turn from now. So it was a lot more chaotic. Uh, and ultimately, if you're not spending all that time, you know, playing 3D chess uh, in your mind, trying to figure out what the exact, you know, math hammer is going to result in average hits on your opponent, and therefore you should, you know, win 18 to 12. If you just show up, move models, roll dice, how do you not have a good time doing that? So, I've had a lot of fun in the games I've played, and it seems like the games are more interactive than they were before. A lot of the time, because of all the missions were fairly linear, it was, it almost felt scripted. It's like you're just waiting for someone to spike a roll to change the script. Um, because it was just, you know, I'm going to score one extra every turn because that's just, this is odd scoring and I had priority or the advantage due to model selection or whatever. And so now it feels very live at all times. It feels, it feels like you're, feels like a demolition derby. Like there's skill to it for sure, but we're kind of just watching the carnage. And, like, you're trying to rise to the top, but, you know, you have to constantly adapt to what's going on. I'll buy that. Now, I'm going to have to say, the game that you and Parker played was what I witnessed to be the least fun game I've ever seen played in the history of tabletop games. (laughs) You made me walk in the store, go, hey, is anyone looking for a game? And then you both had this look and this thing going on where I was like, I'm going to go. <laughs> I just ended up leaving. It wasn't that bad. It was an incredibly frustrating game, I think, for both sides. But, like, the the game was fun. It was the situations that were the frustrating part. Like, the uh, like one time Parker attacked me with Logan, and I sacrificed it to Venom. Venom took... He did seven hits against Venom, who only had, like, five hit points left, I think. Um, I blocked four, stayed alive, so many snacks in back, and did, like, five damage on the so many snacks. 
which dazed him in the middle of his activation. So he only got one attack and it was on Venom who killed him. And so, and then he healed one because he applied v- bleed to Logan, immediately activated, we are Venomed uh, Honey Badger and healed the full. And it was just like, that's an incredibly frustrating series of events for one of the two players. <laughs> and then it was just like the same thing on the other side, right? Like it was like everything that happened was just like twist the knife as hard as you can every single time we did anything. Well, I've been having a, a lot of fun with all these games. They've been very close. Um, I I really enjoy the fact that I haven't felt a single time that, well, my dice rolls trying to flip an objective fucked me yet again. Yeah. And that happened more often than in my mind than it probably actually did. But the fact that it existed and sucks so bad, you know, the juggernaut finding the alien ship part on turn one. Well, I guess that's game. I mean, there's just some dumb well, shit that doesn't really exist anymore. So I'm here to tell you that's not in your mind. That was 100% how the game was worked. Like it, was <laughs> it, was, it was feature, not a bug. I'm telling you <laughs> it right was now. A feature. And so, and so, think of it this way. So the the we know all the changes they've made, but let me tell you what they were before they changed everything. So the objective tokens were way more spread out on all of the pay to flips. They were massively spread out, which means you had to make decisions way in advance. To invest resources in contesting and checking points. And part of that was selecting models you could afford to spread across the board. So you have to spend your resources everywhere. So you had to take cheap enough models that you could get enough of them to check. While also winning the attrition battle to check easier. And having the power and opportunity to check by not being dead. Just so that you could fail a dice roll. (laughs) And be so spread out that nobody could go help that model. Mm Mm-hmm. When the it's a super dicey check, like like the d8s are crazy wild already. On top of that, we're rolling variable difficulty, not just one hit but two hits or three hits, depending on the situation that you need. And like if your opponent makes a random three on three roll, it just like changes the entire game. Like on meteors, you're like, well, I've got this super in the bag. I've got two models contesting every point. My opponent has one of them. Like you know they've got a mo- one model left, and like they just walk up and roll three hits on three dice, flip a point. And you lose three points that gain three points. It's a six victory point swing that you had zero control over and did everything you possibly could have to stop it. That was how the game was designed. Like, like it was incredibly infuriating. And so now the points are closer together on average. They, because of that, they're easier to check by more people. You have more opportunity to check them because you can you know, deploy more of your resources to each area. Like everything about it is better. There's there's less. There's no all or nothings. And so if you you're ever failing one, both sword base and meteors are now one per token, not all or nothing. So if you fail one roll, it's one point, not six. Mm-hmm. Like is it's so much better now. They they did such a good job changing those missions. Agreed. I I think the most sublime thing that I've noticed is that I feel like the this change of making missions the, the changes you listed I think is a really clear point way of doing it. Um, the, it has helped attrition lists somehow. <laughs> like it like Magneto is so much more maneuverable now, and um, all and now fi- lists that like to combine arms and be together in like these little bubbles of death are better now because things are moved together. But then there's also the uh, scenario-based list, control-based list that also get really cool things. Like there's just six extracts, right? You're like, there's just six. Mm-hmm. So if you were planning on just gobbling up extracts, hungry, hungry, hippoing it, and then and hiding with them, that's a thing now. Um, I think it's really cool that 
there there's no one got a clear advantage except um the only thing that really the only player that really lost here is the one that wanted to win every turn every game on turn three that that's the player that really lost out here everybody else is going to have something to be enjoy with the new mission set if you really really wanted to win on turn three if you wanted to have 16 points and your opponent have zero if that's what you're excited to do that's harder to do now and i like that i've got a question has anyone played control yet does control work still we i don't think anybody around here has played it i'm gonna say i i'm intrigued excited to fight people yeah i i have a question as well um do you think this is just carryover from the last year update because they they changed a lot of models saying that they wanted to reduce the amount of like scripted game planning where there was like zero interaction in the early turns and so i think this might be a carryover from back then like they've been working on the missions for that long because we see stuff where the most common way of high, the most common result of high level play was I'm going to take exactly these models in almost all of my games and like you know obviously adjusting for point cost but it's really I have like four core models and then the last person's kind of determining my leftover points um I've got strong combos that work on exactly my missions and like everything is super planned out way in advance it's so like like they, there was almost no decisions to be made like you've you just like, oh, this mission, I deploy my models here. This mission, I deploy my models here. Like, these, I do these things. It's like, now, it's very much more like an actual team game as opposed to, like, four separate, like, individual 1v1s mm-hmm. that would, were going on around the table. Is where it's like, now, because everything shrunk into the middle, it lets the attrition players actually get to fight without just being a bunch of 1v1s. Like, we're going we're gonna to watch boxing matches all day long, basically. It's like we're watching a scrum instead where people are actually fighting together as opposed to just shooting guns at each other in corners. Um, And on top of that, it's allowing a lot more interaction between the points. It's no longer like, well, I've won this point, so now all of my models except for one of them are going to double move to the other side of the table. This was a fun turn. Like, like, it's just annoying, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a lot more... um, what's the term like like influence over other points like you have one model influencing three four maybe even five objectives like but with their threat range in one spot so i'm very happy with that one thing i noticed that's very effective now that used to only be effective some of the time fucking beams good (laughs) lord brandon shelley's got a thing where he's hot about beams my god he's not wrong dude they were cooking everything (laughs) It was insane. I just got off a an Iron Man Unibeam, along with a uh, it was going to be an eleven dice uh, pyro beam. Until my son decided he had to kill pyro first. You jackass. He really on three on three people, not just like one or two. Like yeah. yeah. Uh, let me tell you, pyro that motherfucker has to die. Like oh, I meant OG soon... OG torch, but yes, pyro also needs oh. to die. Sorry. Oh yeah. When uh, when when uh, Brandon played. Pyro, this is this other Brandon. Uh, when Brandon put Pyro down, and I never played against him before, he was like, "Okay, I'm just gonna go ahead and I guess I've never played him before." Oh, he has a range four attack. I'm just in the range four attack. Okay, so you got incinerated. Also, they're incinerated. You're both incinerated. I was like, "Just, just cuz." And he's like, "I guess." And I was like, "Oh, that fucker." <laughs> can you die. read that? Like, 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 it's like yeah. you're like calling the lawyer. Like, yeah. objection. Like, yeah. like yeah. how do we can, can we confirm this? Yeah. Do I have I to like, call Will just, Pagani? Like, what's yeah. happening? Yeah, this feels. This feels. No, like you, you have to yeah. die. You have to die now. Wait, just wait until I build my pyro, and then I have pyro in Hydra, and it's yeah. just like handing out incinerate like fucking candy. I, I th- what's funny, I, I get Jeremy that looks afraid. There's so many ways to to put out incinerate, you know, but 
on a three coster, he always does at least two. You know, if he moves and attacks, he's doing two incinerates. One of them's without an effect. It just happens. You're just like, oh, shit. Like, that feels so much worse. Even though there are lots of models that put one incinerate out. That's not that hard. Mm -hmm. But But it almost always costs power. It can't cost power, or it needs a wild. And I think one of his effects does need a wild. But it's still, it felt... It felt super. It felt super duper easy. Um, too easy. I mean, he still way. needs wilds to make him happen. Okay. Yeah. So that's um, make me the spender. The spender the, auto does. The spender does not. You're right. So, right. And so his two non-spenders definitely require wilds. Yeah. Uh, wow. However, if he attacks somebody who had incinerate already, he does get to add it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the the point of contention in Parker's game was. Uh, his rule that fire manipulation, which says it, when he after attack targeting a character with incinerate is resolved, he gets to put it on somebody within two. They're like, well, does that work if you just put it on them with the attack? And and yes, it does. Yeah. I actually had to like stop my opponent during one of the the games uh, in the tournament. He was playing pyro, and I was like, hold on, stop. Like, it was one of those you have clearly taken too many actions in my head. Like, no, mm-hmm. because he uh, shot, he beamed two people. Somehow put incinerate on three people, uh, forced me to drop all of my objective tokens, pushed Uh two characters away short, then picked up the objectives and moved away. I'm like, when he moved away, I'm like, no, no, stop, stop, stop. We need to back the shit up. (laughs) And we walked through it and I'm like, God damn. Yeah, that was a good, it was a good activation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Three points well spent. (laughs) Yeah. And if you, if you're trying to track him down with, with with range attacks, he's got four energy dice. Like, yeah, Mm. that's all he's got though. He's he can make you he can make you slow and uh, and uh, rooted. So if he's got the power to throw that on you and run away, you might not be able to track him down though. Yeah, that's it's annoying. All right, so Aaron, you said that you think this is the best the game has ever been, or the most fun the game has ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, does everyone else agree? Is this is this the most excited they've ever been to play Marvel? I agree. I've got a shitload uh, of painted models, and I want to play them all. I would say absolutely because I love turret models in this game and i feel like turrets in a great place right now i want to play all the turret models i can all the turret factions i can i think i'm gonna have a blast cool uh i think it's probably just a close second for me my my biggest favorite and most excitement to play the game was probably right after magneto came out but i think that was mostly due to the concept that i was stealing all the excitement from jeremy <laughs> so jeremy was negative excitement and i was positive excitement and it's like ex- excitement squared and so I get that's it. the only reason that's not number one i understand uh but I'm very, very excited to play games. Yeah, you were excited about that. Everyone else around you, I almost didn't play MCP <laughs> because of how much you were excited about the game right then. I was excited all over your asses. Yeah, the god that was just a terrible. <laughs> all over. I, 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 Do you I guys re- remember the video I made of when they spoiled Magnetic Crush? <laughs> I was at the shop, and that's so why I set up a ca- my camera, and I just videotaped me pouring my box of unpainted terrain onto a table. It's like me setting up tables after them spoiling Magnetic Crush. Yeah. It's like, it's like, like I put like 40 size onto a table. I just remember the, my, like my third game playing MCP ever. You were like, okay, I'll, I'll just play Doctor Strange and Magneto. This will be fun. I'll be like, <laughs> oh, I, I bet it'll be fun. Go ahead. And then I watched myself never do anything. Like, I just watched, I watched myself do nothing. And I was like, like, what wow. do you do? It's like, I double move and pick up this objective. It's like, okay, uh, that character is now dead. I have the objective on Doctor Strange. Your turn. He's like, 
Well, I, guess, like, I guess I, I guess I been... double moved to this point. And I was like, Sabertooth double moves over there. Your turn again. I was like, oh, cool. I'll go stand by Sabertooth so I can 2v1 of next turn. It's like, Asteroid and Magneto shows up, kills both of them. And you're like, I'm no, you not didn't. sure you what is happening. You do that. You, not... put, you put, a por- no, no, you put two portals down. You oh, that's Dr. true. Strange. Pen- you put portals down, and you didn't even put them towards me. You just put yeah. them, like, four inches <laughs> apart. And because they were four inches apart horizontally on your side of the board, <laughs> I could do nothing for the rest of the game except die. So so just to be clear, <laughs> it we was playing, terrible. this game is actually on YouTube. You can watch yes, this game. Can, this is Parker's, Parker's first TTS game. It was against me. And I was like, okay, so, like, I'm going to put that. I'm going to play Pentagram Farley. And I put the tokens down. You're like, all right, where are you putting them? I was like, they're down. He's like, no, no, no. You get to put them somewhere. I was like, yeah, because they were right next to my guys. He's like, well, why would you put them there? That's stupid. Like, you should put them somewhere else. I was like, no, I, I, I'm i the one folding space and time. I get to decide where they go. I'm putting them here. And he's like, uh, okay, whatever. And then proceeds to watch me do what I'm doing, which is basically just switching Magneto and Doctor Strange in places back and forth repeatedly over the game. He's like, this is the least fun I've ever had playing a game. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was so awful. It, it looked so stupid. But I was like, trust me, I have a play. Like, I, sh- I just... suppose I should be flattered that you felt... Uh, like our friendship and your trust in me to like games was going to be so high that you could just curb stomp me and like game three with that bullshit and not make me hate this game. You're like, yeah, I trust oh, him. Uh, I trust him. Yeah, that was that was definitely what happened. I wasn't trying to prevent you from playing Marvel at all. <laughs> you I was were not, not trying, trying to, to save me. all of our future new players from your wrath. <laughs> you were not trying to prevent me. From you're like Marvel. you're like the. <laughs> You're like the the alien in E.T. where he's like, ooh, a Skittle, and like eats it and like just like moves on to the next one. And like that's all the new players to Parker. He's like, how can I ruin all of their entire lives? So I just did that to you so you knew what it felt like. There are people in Guernsey listening to this right now, to this yeah. utter bullshit, and they yeah. imagine this must be true. They don't it's, even know me. It is true. What are you talking about? Jeremy, is this true? It's 97% true. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to just start compiling a list and uh, of all the people you've driven out of our store, and then you're going to get more probationary episodes for all of them. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, uh, that's going to wrap up our main topic. Uh, we're done talking about missions now. Uh, Parker, you get to do what you do best. Explain to people what the horse face dude is. Okay. It's funny that you mentioned that because he actually has been called that many times by different characters. Um, mm-hmm. So... Uh, Bill Jack Horseface. Yeah, that's his <laughs> official legal name. Uh, so Peter Ray Bell, um, actually first came out really old comic in 1983, the original like volume one of Thor. Uh, issue is uh, you come up in 336, and like there's a short story arc from 336 to 340, I want to say. Yeah, and so it also uh, marked Walter Simonson's first issues with Thor, and he kind of had. Thor for a long time. If you want to blame someone for, like, what is Thor of the Marvel Universe, you probably blame Walter Simonson because he was writing it, drawing it, inking it. The only thing he didn't do is color it. So this is back in the days when, like, one guy did the whole comic book, pretty much, except for color. Um, and he came up with the original idea for Peter Ray, and the idea was that this was a... He inherited... Um, Walter inherited... Uh, a title in which Thor, in order to be humbled by Odin, um, trapped his spirit into the uh, the body of a uh, lame 
not lame, like dumb, but lame. Literally, his his body is broken. Uh, from, I think his polio, like he had polio or something. Uh, he can't walk very well. His name is Dr. Donald Blake. And Dr. Donald Blake was just a caregiver, a selfless person. Um, and Thor basically had to live through Donald Blake and learn to be humble, learn to have humanity, basically, because he was too haughty and too proud. Um, and he actually, uh, uh, Odin gave Thor his hammer, but he didn't tell him where it was. It was actually in Donald Blake's cane that he used to walk around with. And so eventually Donald and Thor, uh, Donald kind of has his own personality. He's different, separate from Thor. They eventually came to kind of an understanding that they could be, they could do both. And so whenever Donald slammed his cane down to the ground, he became Thor. The reason why this is important is because He's recruited by Nick Fury to go out into space to go um, solve this problem. So he transforms into Thor. The Thor persona takes over. And um, long story short, you could read the comics if you'd like to see it because they're a fantastic series. He meets this alien. And the alien is um, kind of on a rampage. He's a super cybernetically enhanced alien, super powerful, gives Thor like a run for his money in a straight up fight and ends up actually fighting him so hard. Thor drops his hammer and turns back into Donald Blake. And Vita Ray is kind of taken aback by this. He doesn't understand. So he picks up the, 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 the hammer, which is now just a stick, and doesn't get it. He's like, what, what's, what's going on here? I don't understand. And at that moment, something happens to the spaceship they're, they're fighting in, and he falls down and smashes the cane against the ground, and it immediately turns into a Mjolnir. Now, normally, that's not, that's not possible, right? Only Thor can do it. But because Vita Ray is worthy... Um, it actually turns into Thor's hammer, and he becomes not only is he super cybernetically enhanced, uh, bioengineered uh, alien, he's also now empowered to be like Thor. And so he takes his this newfound power, and he goes off to complete his mission. As it turns out, his mission was not to destroy Earth; it was to try to save um, his home realm from Surtur, uh, Surtur, the the big even evil uh, uh, fire guy that you might remember from. Uh, Thor Ragnarok. He's the one who drove the sword and blew up um, Asgard at the end. So Surtur had actually already obliterated Beta Ray's home dimension, and uh, he Beta Ray's the basically the last great hope for his home realm. And he came to this dimension um, looking for help. And so you could read the rest of it to find out how you know Thor, of course, gets his hammer back. Uh, how does Donald help him resolve this, and uh, how does Thor learn? from his mistakes. Um, Beta Ray, you might notice in the in the MCP, has a different hammer. It's not Mjolnir. It's called Stormbreaker, uh, which is patterned off of the one that eventually... Uh, sorry, they the MCP current Thor has a Stormbreaker. That's where they got the design for it, was from Beta Ray Bill's hammer. How does he get that? Uh, well, of course, it is an Asgardian-powered thing, so how does he earn that from Odin? And it, it, over the four issues, you find out how he does that, and how Thor and him eventually team up to go take the fight to Surtur. It's really, really cool series, beautiful, beautifully drawn, and uh, even though it's it's dated now, when, you, when if I read it, you know, I would I would I would understand that it was written at a different time when comic books had a different flair. The story was still fantastic, and it was really fun to read. It's gorgeous too. There's actually uh, two Marvel animated movies that Beta Ray is in. Uh, one of them is his origin story, mm-hmm. where, where Parker just described it, it, like updated in a cartoon. And then the other one is the animated movie World War Hulk, 
um, which is basically again the taken like uh, it's basically what Thor Ragnarok was based on. It's Hulk ends up as a gladiator in an arena, and Beta Ray Bill is the guy who comes out of the other side and step Thor. And so then Beta Ray Bill and Hulk have a big drawn out fight, and so you can basically see you know what Beta Ray Bill is all about in those two as well. He's pretty cool. He's basically just Thor clone is basically what he is. He's even though he has a completely different backstory, like he's just different Thor. Yeah, he, the, his, the, um, the idea behind him as a character is that while Thor is this extremely haughty character that must be humbled constantly in order to kind of root himself in reality, Meteor Bill is this is this man who comes from a horrible stark reality and he's actually doesn't see himself as great as he is when he when he's eventually told by Odin that he is worthy he doesn't believe him like he doesn't think he's worthy of it he actually is hmm. he, he he feels shame for almost for having worthy of it because he doesn't think he's anything special um, even though he was designed literally to be the, hmm. the last hope of this whole universe he he's still kind of he's kind of got a superman like thing to him like where he's like super humble and like everything like he's like he's almost like the socially the perfect being because he's like right he's genetically engineered to be the best of his race mm -hmm. and so like he's the he's the paragon of what they would ever hope to be and so he comes out as that mm -hmm. and and his like his sole purpose in life is to protect his people right he's a cool kind of he's not uh he's not really an antithor because uh, that's He's probably like Bizarro Loki. Thor. Yeah, uh, it's just yeah. The op, it, it is the other side of a coin, right? The other side mm. of this, this coin. Also, I'm not lying when I say like the the art that uh, Simonson draws, it's really awesome. Like it is, I, I don't to this day. Like if you told me a modern comic came out looking like this, I'd be like, oh, of course it did. It looks this great. And not a lot of comics that came out of the '80s looked this beautiful. It's yeah. it's just gorgeous. So what is Beta Ray's uh, threat level going to be, and how many episodes are you betting on it? Ooh. Uh, Parker, I have good news for you. What's that? You've got currency to bet. <laughs> um, I don't know who you're going to take this bet, because I feel like it's really obvious, right? I feel like he's, like he's got to be a five, right? He's got to be a five. Um, uh, so I agree with you. I think it's obviously going to be five. Yeah. So I'm going to have to get some real good odds on this bet. <laughs> yeah, because I mean. So first off, I would say that minimum you have to bet he'll be exactly five. Okay. I'm going to need like two to one odds. The only thing that thinks me makes me And this wonder... feels like a gift. This feels like a gift, honestly. I don't even think I should do that. There's only one There's only one thing I wonder, actually, is I wonder if he might be a six and have like a really over-the-top leadership, perhaps. Something really weird. Or like a really cool support ability. Um Maybe they make him a six because they make him like a Thor, you know, like a Thor chassis, but he's got this really cool other thing. Um, I mean, arguably Thor's leadership is pretty good. True. I'm not I'm not downplaying mm -hmm. Thor. The reason why Thor feels you bad mean like is, a Captain America level leadership. Right. Or uh, some sort of supportability. Like if he's against Guardian, he gets two power. Then he has like a two power place himself or others or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, hmm. I think he's going to be five, though. I think he's gonna be five. I think he's gonna be five too. I'll bet a hundred. I don't know what that what 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 is what was the deal. I was more focused on what I think he could be. I say so. If you're betting he's exactly a five point cost, mm -hmm. I need two to one odds. You'd be betting a hundred to gain to to risk gaining two hundred. Okay, does that make sense? Right. So if you win the bet, you'd go down to eleven sixty four. If I win the bet, you'd go up to fourteen sixty four. Uh, 
uh, yeah, I'll take that. Let's bet a hundred episodes. That, that, he's that feels like a gift is like, yeah. you should. <laughs> yeah. I think it's an easy bet. We'll do that. Yeah. All right. So we got Parker two to one, 100 bill is five threats. Okay. We got it. It's on the books. I'm going to have to start charging you the juice for all these easy bets I'm giving you. God, this is free money. I'm kind of interested. I wonder, I think Bitteray might be the first non-Donald non Blake, non-Thor to actually pick up Mjolnir, besides, of course, Odin. All the other people that did. Yeah. Yeah, if we ignore all those people. No, 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 first one, the first. Did I say only? You mean the first canonically or the first, like, ever in a comic book? Yeah, first ever in a comic book. Yeah. I, I wonder. Although Donald Blake technically wasn't picking up Mjolnir, right? Like, he was embodied right. by Thor, so, like, it doesn't yeah. really count. Right. And yeah, Beta Ray Bill was originally the guy who picked up his hammer. Right. He and I know in the animated movie, they're just fighting. And the, so that whole storyline with, like, the Doctor and everything isn't there. Thor's just investigating an alien spacecraft in, in like, their realm. And so he, he, like, goes inside the ship, and he's, like, wandering around, and the guardian of the ship shows up, and it's Beta Ray Bill. And he just beats the fucking shit out of Thor. Yeah, he does. And takes his hammer and uh -huh. throws him out of the ship. And when he picks up the hammer, Odin uses the his his uh -huh. Odin force to use the Bifrost and just uh -huh. yanks him to to uh to Asgard and just, like and immediately like just stops both of them. He's like, you guys shouldn't be fighting. <laughs> and then explains to Thor what the fuck's going on. And right. then they, they kind of have this meeting and everything, and it, it's pretty cool. But yeah, Beta Ray Bill's a pretty big badass. So. I actually, uh, I just found my graphic, I said I have a graphic novel, but the issues I mentioned are right, but if you want to get those issues together, the ballad of Beta Ray Bill is the graphic novel version of it. Cool. Um, but I was looking for it. I can't find out if he was the very first, you know, person other than Odin or Thor to pick up Mjolnir in the comics, but... I, I think it's I incredibly it. unlikely yeah. they will make him more expensive than Thor. But the fact that they're printing Beta Ray Bill, I feel like there's like a 75% chance that means Thor's getting updated. Because I think Thor is one of the most dated models in the game. And if they're printing another big Asgardian, like how the only way he's not getting updated is if Beta Ray Bill's four points, I think. There's no way they'll print another five-pointer in Asgard unless they update Thor. Because he'd just be completely invalidated, in my opinion. I don't think they're going to update Thor. I think there's a better chance right. that Beta Ray will be four. I, that's why I They the just back. released the Asgardian pack. <laughs> I swindled the shit yeah. out of them. Yeah. Sad, but I don't see an update for Thor. Yeah, this is one of those situations where the character and who I think they should be May not be just the character they print in the game. He's because... going to be three points, and we're both going to look like dipshits. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be great. No, so, so yeah, the the other thing is like, which Thor did we get? Because like we got original Spider Man, everybody complained, and then we got five point Spider Man, everybody's like, oh, now it makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and so I'm like, which Thor did we get the first time? Did we get regular Thor? And then like God King Thor comes out, and he's eight points, and we're like, oh shit! Yeah. Like, and so like, <laughs> then I could see a six point Beta Ray Bill would be fine. And I don't you, think they'll ever. I don't think they'll let someone in Asgard be stronger than Thor that isn't Odin. So they're not like Hela's four, and Hela was like stronger than him. And so I just don't think they'll let it happen. Anyway, yeah, my my bet. It's looking worse all the my time. My bet looks worse, but I still. <laughs> That's gonna, why we I'm did the bet with, before I talked. <laughs> I'm going to stick with. I'm going to stick with my original because of who I think Bitterbill should be. That's my going to be my grounds. Uh, are you saying you want to cash out the bet? 
No, I'm going to stick with my five. Okay. Well, that was your only other option, so. <laughs> that shit is on paper. Like, we got it. I'm just excited Asgard's finally getting a two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ulick? Yeah. Ooh. No. <laughs> All right. Um, so that's going to wrap it up for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed our uh, Bill Jack horseface conversation and all the other stuff we talked about. Uh, this has been Brandon. And Parker. Jeremy. And Aaron. And you've just listened to Parker Explains Things. So what are we going to call this thing? Uh, I got it. Okay. Incredible, new, fantastic, astonishing, mighty, original, uncanny, sensational podcast. I'm just going to put down infamous. We did it. Oh, man. Now this Oof. is podcasting. Get it? I said the thing. Oh my god! I only said it because Parker's not here and he's asleep at his keyboard like a dumbass. He probably did. He probably fell asleep. I would not even slightly be surprised if he was asleep at his keyboard. But I mean, how does he? So we'll be talking, right? And I, I always catch it, but I don't say anything. He'll be like, "Yeah, like I was out till like four a.m. yesterday." And I'll think, and I'll I'll think back, and I'll go, wait a second, aren't you a teacher? Like, don't you get up at five? Like, like he manages to do this crazy lifestyle. Hold on, I got a message. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, my God. Is he asleep? Uh, Yeah, uh, give me a second. He's about to owe me more than a beer. All right, so uh, he's coming. <laughs> I uh, I could tell you what happened, but I'll just let you imagine, and it's exactly what happened. <laughs> and we are back. Whew. No thanks to me. I, I mean, we wouldn't have been back if it wasn't for you, Parker. That's true. We would have just still been here. So thanks to me? I don't know if that counts. <laughs> I mean, some people create wisdom, some people create knowledge, some people create items, some people create negative attention. Like, I don't know, it's just, like, you're just ruining everything. I thought I was going to create delays. That's kind of something I do. I mean, that's true. You, you give a, did give us something to talk about for eight minutes. That's true. Um, I apologize to Aaron. I'm sorry. Aaron was not, here. Not them. Aaron was here. <laughs> Fuck those guys. I appreciate COVID. it, Parker. Thank you. Aaron has COVID and the flu and is here on time. And you are, you are, what? Let me check. 62 minutes late. I also apologize to Jeremy. Thank you. <laughs> and I see how this is. Okay. I thought see my apology to you is, I thought my apology to you is the disadulations. Isn't that the apology? I'm going to throw so many rocks through your windows. Tomorrow, when the, the fucking blizzard hits, it's going to be so cold in your house. You know, in second thought, I also apologize to Brandon. <laughs> how am I the only one who works tomorrow? This is horse shit. It's going to be pretty awesome. Wait, how is Brandon? Brandon's not working tomorrow? Uh, it has been a management decision that Brandon might not work tomorrow. Okay. Uh, so people that don't know that don't live in Kansas City, 
Uh, it is currently the 21st of December in the year of our Lord 2022, uh, and he is not happy with us. <laughs> so uh, they, uh, if you've ever seen the movie The Edge or The Day After Tomorrow, that is happening. The, the vortex is pulling oh. down the super frigid air from the atmosphere, and uh, our at our expected uh, temperature with wind chill is supposed to be negative 45 degrees Heli- and raining. Somehow it's also raining. I know, right? The fuel in their lines is going to freeze because I guess that's how that works. I don't know, even though the fuel's in an enclosed space. <laughs> oh, um, I have a, a couple um, factual notations from last week that we need to adjust. Uh-oh. So, firstly, uh, it's my bad. Uh, I forgot the name of Alpha Centauri, and I've been corrected. Uh, so, it's Alpha Centauri, which is 4.4 light years from Earth. However, the closest habitable planet, which is what I said, is actually one of the moons of Jupiter theorized to be. Um, But the Alpha Centauri is the nearest habitable star system other than ours. So I thought we were men of science. I know. Uh, However, I had the not the biggest mistake, apparently. Um, Parker lied to the human race (laughs) last week when he said we'd have renewable energy. And I've been yelled at by someone. Uh, So... The the experiment that happened was very groundbreaking, but not actually positive. They they actually did not net power. Because in the the fact that they reported, they said that they put in like 1.3 kilowatts and they extracted like just over 3 kilowatts. Mm-hmm. Something like Some amount like that. But in the report, that's just the energy in the actual experiment. They didn't count the energy it took to fire the lasers to start the experiment which cost over 400 kilo, kilowatts of power. However, it's apparently still a big deal. Oh, okay. Well, I, I'm reading headlines, not the fine print. So if somebody that, I find that, cool. that is the best way to be a scientist. <laughs> Did Facebook say it? Because if Facebook said it... I'm pretty sure that we can sue them. So, like, we're going to get all the money anyway. We won't have am to I going to have to change my space again? Yeah. To be, to be fair, I did read three separate articles... And watch two. Di- don't ask me how I got three separate articles. One was from my, someone was one was myself, mm-hmm. the one I read first. Then one was with my wife, and the third one was with my class. And then I watched two mm-hmm. separate videos on it, and none of them mentioned that. Not saying that that's wrong, right? But- no, I. So I still, from what I understand, it's still a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, because also, like, we don't we don't know, like, like let's say they they use the four hundred kilowatts to fire the lasers. Well, maybe that was just upfront initial energy cost and then they could like maintain the reaction once it started mm-hmm. so hypothetically in a perfect environment they could keep the the reaction going long enough to gain that power back with their net income and or like you could use solar panels or something to power the lasers if you like were planning this way in advance mm-hmm. and so you could like collect it's because like a rail gun uses about enough power to power the average household for like 30 seconds but you need to generate all of that power in like one nanosecond or mm-hmm. else it's pointless. And so it's actually very difficult to generate that amount of power. You have to have these massive batteries and capacitors systems that take up this like the size of a house. Right. They're enormous. But you can you can charge it with one solar panel over the course of a week. It's just like you have to be able to store all of that power for immediate use. And that's the hard part of like the railgun system. Which is why it's it's very hard to make compact, because you can't just plug it into a wall, even though that would get it going in like five minutes. It's just like 
you just have to have all that power available instantaneously. And that's not really how electricity works. So, like, maybe that's very similar to the lasers thing. Like, they, they just need a large upfront investment. And then, like, they can go. I, unfortunately, this is beyond me, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. But from what, from what you, I hear, what you said is pretty close to accurate. Like, it is a huge deal. And they do expect to make, you know, more advancements soon now that they finally got this first big hurdle done. It's just, like, t- not as good as it sounds in the headline. Mm-hmm. I see. Did they include the amount of power it took for the uh, mechanical arm structures? Because those I'm still interested in. Well, what about the inhibitor chip? That's actually what I'm worried about. <laughs> Were they implementing inhibitor <laughs> chip technology in their mechanical arm AI? Uh, fuck. They never talk about that. <laughs> I know, right? I'm surprised nobody gave me shit for how hard I was messing with Parker while he was trying to explain how the human race <laughs> was going to continue beyond the fossil fuel age. I did. I, just, I gave you I was shit just, for it. Yes, yes, uh, you did, but like, did. like, I'm surprised Like, of all the messages I got, nobody was like, hey, dude, just let Parker tell his story. Like, everyone was like, yeah, that was great. It's <laughs> like, I, I do this because I have to. In uh, MCP errata news, uh, we failed to clarify that the researcher scores only if you are securing them on the point oh the new oh, researcher so it's you can, it's just straight harder okay you can't yeah. no longer drop the researcher off like run away in the Let's, corner uh, and still score your two points for it or now one can point we uh have, why did you bring that up in the pre-ramble why didn't you put that in the topic section because you said it's a rata time this is an editor's notes oh you're saying that we said it wrong last time we did not specifically say it had changed when in fact it had changed yeah all right i'll put it in the thing that will be in the actual episode it's up to you well it is that's what that's what he's informing (laughs) you of my decision i'm just here for the raunchy pick can you guys get on Uh, the same page agree to disagree Have you ever have you ever seen that interaction when somebody doesn't have a firm enough grasp of the English language or colloquialisms to use that term correctly? Mm-hmm. When it's just like like they actually agree and somebody says, Well, just agree to disagree, and you're like, But we agree. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Mm-hmm. It's really it's really cringe. It's it's uh it's a Charlie moment. Well uh, filibuster. Yeah. Um Dude. filibuster, yeah. Yeah. Kangaroo <laughs> court. It's a kangaroo court. It's a kangaroo court. Uh, quid pro quo. <laughs> Pretty standard oh, boilerplate. Well, we'll all have our hot standard plate soon. Standard boilerplate. Yeah. I think we'll all have our hot plates soon. Did Did you start watching Always Sunny yet? Or mm-hmm. are you still watching My Hero? Mm, uh, no, I, I, I honestly just started with Always Sunny. Cause I, That's fine. That's fine. It's a good excited. choice. It's a great show. Yeah. There's not enough lawyer in it. They, that lawyer guy needs to be in like yeah, every episode. He's that so lawyer, good. That lawyer is great. I love how like the, originally they planned him to be like a one or two episode character. And, and he's not in a lot, but he's in a bunch. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, he's so good. Because his first episode is actually really dark. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh God. And then like he just ends up being this foil to them. I also I also like like he's one of the only characters, like you said, the foil. He's not like tainted by them or ruined by them. He always fi- finds a way to... Kind of like not rise above, but just like part and be like, ugh, yeah. no, and like walk away, and he then he comes back later. I I, I like that about his character. Everybody else just gets the, ruined by them, really. Yeah, there's the waiter who literally like has his life ruined. Right, Cricket is the Cricket. perfect example because yeah. he just literally like wants to die yeah. every time you see him after episode four. 
I just got in a fight with a chap. <laughs> Needless to say, that dog is paralyzed now. <laughs> that was such a good line. Yeah. I missed it up. Needless to say, that dog is very paralyzed. That's what it is. That dog is very paralyzed. Sounds like a man bragging about injuring a dog. Because like, so it bit him in the face. Oh, just, just terrible, terrible things. Oh, that show is. I'm like a dog executioner now. <laughs> You work at the pound. It's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, it's technically volunteers, but yeah. Oh. Oh, God. So good. Uh, I was really hoping we were going to get some news. To, but they didn't spoil Beta Ray yet, did they? Mm-mm. We just know that he is. Damn. Okay. I guess we'll just have to get by with not knowing the rules for Horseface Man. Did you play uh, Midnight Suns at all, Parker? No, I promised myself that I was not going to buy it because I know it's going to go for free on the Microsoft Game Pass thing. And oh, really? All the other Marvel games have pretty fast, like every single one. So I'm telling myself, if it hasn't happened by my birthday, I might consider getting it on my birthday. But um, okay. I know it's... I know it's the one thing about it that makes me a little mad is that it's apparently really good and super deep, very long game. I love that kind of game, so I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to try it. I have other games right now that I'm enjoying, and like I'd rather be playing MCP if yeah. I was going to mm-hmm. do something with Marvel. Yeah, I've got some painting backlog to knock out, and I might pick it up after that. We'll see. Yeah. Hey, uh, Jeremy, mm. did you know that I can? cut a log in half with my with uh just by looking at it no i didn't know that i know it's hard to believe but i saw it with my own eyes you really laid down the saw really hard there i know like a heavy load i'm four beers in so i had i had to make sure i could get it right (laughs) yeah you nailed it it was as good as it could be how many beers have i had at this point uh, you're not in this scenario. Uh, five had five. Five. I've had five. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 lift in that scene mm-hmm. is not only like physically improbable, mm-hmm. but like also one of the most ridiculous scenes <laughs> in all of television history. Yeah. At the same time, I think my favorite part might be Charlie in the background, just kind of super excited to be there the whole time. Yeah, and he's like clapping, like "Yeah, good job." Like, what yeah. Is that? I've decided I need to find a way to make uh, I Like Life at Patty's Pub my ringtone for everything yeah. I want. I, love, I actually love that song. That song is wonderful. It's, it's a good song. It's a nice song. Charlie's actually extremely talented at making music because yeah. he makes all the, the music in the show. He really... like Not, like, not the like <clears throat> television music, mm-hmm. but all the music they make in the show. Like all the songs. All the comical songs. The, the, mu- yeah. the musical and everything. He writes all that stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. They were joking about it, and they were like, because they were doing the Nightman, the first episode mm-hmm. where Nightman shows mm-hmm. up, and it's um, they're like doing all the different versions of bands, and they're he's like, yeah, no, like I, I wrote some stuff, and like he just whips out like all of these songs, like what the hell is going, <laughs> like you wrote these, mm-hmm. like it was pretty funny. Did we lose Aaron, or is Aaron just mocking that he's very bored with our conversation? No, no, no. I have uh, two different vaccines fighting each other in each of my internal organs right now, so mm. I'm just chilling while you guys discuss shit. 
Oh, so we ha- wait. You you have the you got vaccinated. That's yeah. that's the that's what under the weather. Yeah, one in each arm. Mm. I did the same thing a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I'm sure I'll be fine tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Are you going into work, Aaron? Surely uh, no. Yeah, I was gonna say. Seems like a trek that would be most dangerous. <laughs> yeah, like fifty mile an hour winds, sleet, snow, ice. Let's yeah. drive an hour and twenty minutes in normal conditions so I can sit at the desk and watch no one come in. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So instead I'll well, heck, I was a little with Perrin all day. It was like I was uh I was a little upset I wouldn't be able to make it to play games tomorrow, but I may not be making it anywhere tomorrow. Yeah. I was just telling EJ we should probably just go ahead and announce the closing now. Like, why wait till the morning? Like, it's going to be bad. There's a chance. There's a chance that it's going to blow right by us. Is there? No. For everything I've heard is that <laughs> is absolutely impossible. Like, it's a wave just going over the city. Holy crap! I just so I just pulled up National Weather Service's info, mm. and. I expected it to be like a winter storm, you know, something, something for yeah, like no. tonight and tomorrow. It's like mm-hmm. the next five days. It's just red, a column of red. Most of my screen is like you can see it off my face. It's currently red. Aaron, Aaron was was telling us earlier that as of it's like noon or 3 p.m. tomorrow, the, the official term for the temperature is called very dangerously cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, what? I love uh, I was watching uh an expose on the weather service and they're talking about how their uh, uh some of their graphics packages are trying to basically trying to frighten people right and, into mm-hmm. not going out and not taking stupid risks and so there's this wonderful clip of this regular like local newscast from milwaukee or something and it, it had the, like a hologram thing going on behind him so it wasn't just like a green screen it was like a, this a whole giant 3d space around him had holograms going on and it was like so you might see accidents like and it's in a, a giant car like came from off screen a very <laughs> hyper realistic car ran into a, like a pole it fell down in the car and the whole thing like started sparking and shooting flames it looked like like a CGI you'd see in like a low budget action movie. It didn't look terrible, mm-hmm. but it's all like happening in the news studio. And he's like listing off a couple things that might happen if you go out tonight. And it was all these terribly graphic <laughs> things that were occurring in front of him. And it was just like, that is. And so then of course it went back to the expose. It was like, that is fucking intense. <laughs> it was just like, yeah. they're trying desperately to, to make people realize just how dangerous it is. It's not just, it's not just cold. It'll it's kill mm-hmm. you cold. I was showing a bunch of people this clip of this newscaster uh, for um, the the hurricane this year, and he's like, "You see all this?" And he's like pointing to the vortex just off the coast. He's like, "This wind changes like just a little bit. This makes landfall, and you and everyone you know are dead." Like, like he's just like, like he's just like deadpan, like super yeah. serious. He's like, "Oh, and your children die too." Like, like he's just like desperately trying to scare people into leaving because people were refusing to go. Right. He's like, "You're gonna die." Like, yeah. like he's just like saying that on the air is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, dude has zero chill. Ah, chill. <laughs> I see what you did. I, I didn't do anything. Oh boy. All right, you guys good? You ready to start? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. (laughs) See what I did there? I I, I did the thing. Mm Mm-hmm.
Uh, how do you spell Beta Ray Bill? I actually have no idea. Is it like hyphenated or? B. Nope. I think it's just three different names. B E T A. Is it? But is it Ray like R E Y? R A Y. A Y. Like Beta. Like. Like. Yeah, yeah, I got that. I just didn't know how you spell Ray. Yeah, R A Y. Basically the same as like Theta Laser John. Oh, this is definitely like the '80s, right? Cosmic character. What do we call him? Uh, what's this? Uh, I don't know. Like, uh, Greek pick, letter. Pick a science Greek, term. Yeah, and Greek add letters. A regular name. Yeah, Greek letter science thing. Adam Joe Warlock. Blow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go, Adam Warlock. Alrighty, that was a good one. I mean, it's a little unfortunate that it's one a.m. because you know we started an hour late, but you know it's pretty good episode. Great. Thought you were gonna say something important. No. Jer- tired. Jer- are you tired. Are you tired. You going to work tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll leave. We'll leave. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Later.